When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. afternoon to you. It's just gone four minutes past midday on SENZ here in New Zealand and also around Australia on the SEN app. Stephen McIver in for Staffy this afternoon. Probably the last time because Smithy should be up and running tomorrow. We trust and we hope wherever you are around New Zealand, we, we hope you're in good stead. If you got a bit of a shake in Wellington last night, I uh, hope you're okay because that can just rattle your nerves straight off the bat. If you've got any thoughts about what's been going on, 0800 150 811 is the number. That's one 0800 or you can text us on the Timber Bedpost text line that is double eight double three. that's double eight double three. not too far away from talking to Zoe Sadowski Senate's dad Sean uh, he said he's going to ring us back now so we do know he's he had a big night he's on to about his fourth coffee but that's okay we will chat to him we'll also talk to Matt Duffy one of the nicest blokes going around in rugby and rugby league we think he was the former St Kent's lad who went to the Melbourne Storm and lit it up was a proven try scorer and then went and played super rugby for a while well now he's back as a pathways officer at the Melbourne Storm the reason we are talking to uh, Matt today is because the the Wazers the Warriors play the Melbourne Storm at the weekend uh, Sunday at 2.50 at Orange Theory Stadium and that'll be live on Sky Sport, the second pre-season match of this $100,000 winner-takes-all pre-season challenge. David Light has a world title fight in six weeks' time in Manchester, the WBO cruiserweight title fight against Lawrence Ockley. It's a big deal. It's a world title fight. He is six weeks out for it. So we thought... Have a chat, just see how he's feeling. David Light, again, it's, it's funny, uh, Manai, we're talking about good people. David Light's another one of these good guys. He's, you know, he's a bit like JP, really not going to scare you when you see him, but boy, get in the ring, you know, don't miss them. And he's, he comes out of the Peach Boxing Stable. As we know, the Peach Boxing Stable has Jerome Pamplone, Mamotu, and also Andre Mikhailovich. 
it's probably the strongest stable in the country right now. Can I politely disagree with you, Stephen? Uh, Joseph Parker scares the bejesus out of me when I see him in real life. <laughs> what? He was in He was in here yesterday having a chat. Did he scare you? Didn't walk up? He gave me a hug, man. He gave me a kiss on the cheek He's yesterday. a nice guy. <laughs> um, and, and, he, and he talks softly, but he carries a big stick. He's a very... He's a very um, you, know, you know he's capable of violence when you see him. But I always think it's interesting when you talk about combat sport athletes, they are quite chill when you talk to them and I think it's because they have an outlet for that aggression Is The other one if you think about combat sports would be Dan Hooker right Dan, yes. Ho- Dan Hooker's one of the he'll sit down you jam away and chat away yada 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 and then you put him in a ring and he goes crazy and and I what scares me about Dan Hooker is the amount of damage he takes he, he, he takes so much damage comes seems back to says, love it. and seems to love it. So so uh, that's that's pretty cool to say the least. Uh, Grantly Kezia is an Australian boxing writer and we'll have him after about 1.35 to talk about what's going on in the world of boxing with the world championships with it's sort of the International Boxing Federation is uh, run by a well, as the head is a Russian, the big sponsor is Gazprom, and with all the things going on, uh, people don't want to be at the World Boxing Champs this year. Ireland and the USA are boycotting it and asking other countries to boycott it. So we'll talk to Grantly Kizia about that. But right now, one very happy father in Sean Sinnott. His uh, daughter, Zoe Zdowski Sinnott, won Sports Woman of the Year and the Supreme Award at last night's 60th. ISPS Hander Halberg Awards. Sean Sinnott joins us now. Afternoon, Sean. How's the head? Yeah, it's a little dusty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but and 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 right and rightly so, my friend. Congratulations. Was it one of those incredibly proud father moments? Oh, absolutely. And and you uh, never you never tire of them. Actually, <laughs> if anyone's wondering. <laughs> so, so tell me the the moment you get you knowing you're having to go and accept if she does win, and then she wins. Now, I I, I will uh, purpose people to remind them that you're not allowed to throw any f bombs out today, mate. Okay, just yeah, yeah, just just right. just the pre pre warning. But that moment, I mean, what was it like? Were, were there nerves? Did you feel like a, a first timer? Uh, I did. I just absolutely felt like the first time. Firstly, I had someone else, uh, if she hadn't won it, I had someone else organised to actually do the acceptance speech. But um, they, uh, they, they, they they pulled their head in, put themselves into a tur- <laughs> turtle shell. Uh, <laughs> so I, I was uh, I was prodded by the person next to me to go up and accept it. Um, yeah, that no, astounding feeling. Um, and uh, you know, not having a speech organised because somebody else was with him was we had just had to wing it really. Let's let's talk about Zoe. Was she always a diamond when as soon as she hit the snow? Uh, she was always determined at anything she did uh, sports wise. So you know, she was a great little soccer player, and she's um, uh, we're looking forward to the uh, football World Cup. Zoe will be uh, going to a couple of the events. She's actually an ambassador for them. I don't know if you guys know that. But, no. Um, yeah, so she's an ambassador for the Women's uh, Foot- Football World Cup this year. And uh, and hopefully the, 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 they'll be sending us some tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Always on the take, eh? Hey? Okay. I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm spending the money to get, make your career. You've got to give me some payback now. Now, fair play. Fair play on that one. Was there any any time that you thought she could actually follow the football path rather than the snow path? Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, I mean, um, we we thought that it was going to go – she was going to, you know – stunning little football player. He's run, run rings around the boys. 
go and have a look at her Instagram. You'll see um, see her playing football, uh, kicking balls around. Uh, you know, between between competitions in the snow. She, I mean, she's she's always got a ball with her. Oh wow! Did you think that's part of her way of just relaxing? And, and as we, I spoke to her a couple of weeks back, and she's an incredibly relaxed young lady. Has she always been like that? Because you sometimes you wonder. It defies logic what she does. Where does where does when do you when do you see her focus? What what telltale signs do you see? Uh, she's ve- she's she's very inside her head, right? Like she'll um she'll 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 she, she's very determined, very relaxed, and it's always tight. Right, and uh, we just see her um, when when we see her when she's in the country, she she will just like I'm going here now, and I'm doing this now. Mm-hmm. Right, there's no pre-warning. She's got her plan, and off she goes. Was she always like that as a young girl? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I, I remember the um, you, you'd get you'd go to the school interviews, you know, the parent school interviews, and and they'd say, "Oh my God, you know, Zoe." Always gets her homework in on time. Yeah. <laughs> we went. She never does homework. <laughs> <laughs> so she she was but pulling she, the wool over but, your but, eyes. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was pulling the wool over our eyes. Um, uh, she she used to do it in class, right? She'd get it done in class because she'd done her work in class. So there's something something weird about her. Well, well, not nothing weird at all. I I want to understand the bravery because it takes an enormous amount of bravery to do what she does come up with new tricks and throw herself you know off a, off a big slope or whatever was she always that kid yeah she was yeah i think i think so but 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 at the same same time she you know what she does is very calculated right that they, they they're not throwing themselves off a cliff without um thinking about it first and building up to that it's not not crazy stuff where you know like uh people just throw themselves off mm, the cliff mm. because they think it's a good idea right i mean they, they build up and they work really hard to know what they're doing um you know avalanche awareness courses and all of that sort of stuff are you uh, are you your parents the parents of course are, are you mentors to her does she turn to you a lot or is she moving on from that part of her life and and using more athlete mentors i know she's always had she's always had mentors other than us and um and and uh you know like my job is to give acceptance speeches (laughs) (laughs) so she can go and do her job And, 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 and 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 mum and mum mum sort of runs logistics and you know sort of deals with uh, various people that um, you know that are asking for Zoe's time and making sure that um, Zoe is not being over tapped tax yeah yeah, taxed. yeah 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 and um, but but yeah you you're dead right I mean she's uh, she sort of tra- travels the world circuit. She's got a, a, some people with her uh, some part of the time. Otherwise, she's going to meet people somewhere else for another event. And, um, yeah, she's very much independent. What's it like having a daughter who is a, a, bona, a bona fide global rock star when it comes to her sport and attention put on her? Um, it, you know, like times like this being asked for interviews and things like that it, it, it's pretty it's it's a lot of fun and i tried i tried just take it lightly and have a bit of fun with it as well but 
um, yeah, she's just she's just a normal kid, you know, when she's home, and uh, and we love that. And yeah, she is a bona fide rock star, but she's also uh, she yeah you know, she avoids media and, <laughs> and rightly so <laughs> because uh, she wouldn't do what she does without uh, without being focused on what she does. But but she can thank her mum and dad for giving her a strong grounding. Otherwise, she wouldn't be the Zoe Zadarsky sin that we know. What's her, what's her yeah. favorite when she comes home? You know, I'm sure everyone has their favorite dinner. What's what does she say to mum? Mum, can can we have this tonight? I'm all, I know it's a really oh, twee yeah. question. <laughs> dinner. Um, she 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 loves the the, the corn beast. <laughs> Uh, she likes having the corned beast casually, yeah. and uh, and the other one is of course the the, the ham, the ham, the, the the roast ham. Wow. Okay. So she she's a bit of a meat, meat but good a good old strong meat eater there. Does she take after dad when it comes no, to? No, 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 no. She's she's very healthy eater. She, she a lot of Japanese food. She eats a lot of Japanese food. <laughs> has she con- has she converted dad into Jap- eating a lot of Japanese food? I've always eaten a lot of Japanese food. Oh, well, there you go. So she's quite cultured then from a mum and dad, eh? How good is that? Hey, Sean, I know you, you're, you're being uh, inundated with calls and interviews. We appreciate you giving us your time. Congratulations on, on raising a rock star, but congratulations more so on raising a good human being. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And uh, I'll pass it on to Zoe. Yeah, please do, mate. Thanks so much for your time. Sean Sinnott, uh, dad of Zoe Sadowski Sinnott, a supreme winner at the Halberg Awards last night. And guess what? Not one F-bomb, Manaya. He was very well controlled. I had my finger hovering over the button. <laughs> the, the, the button. So <laughs> The mute button. Interesting, right? Interesting. Very humble individual, the dad. And understandably, that's why Zoe is like she is. I have an obvious question that I wanted to ask once he was off the line. Where is she? I don't know. I mm. should have asked her right now. Mm. He's going to tell us. Oh, he's going to say we, we gave her good wishes. That's a very good question, actually. Maybe I failed in my duty there to actually say, no, where is she? it would have been a very obvious answer that he would have thrown straight back at us. So. Yeah, he would have gone, well, don't you know? Yeah, exactly. That would have been that one and it made me look like a total tool, huh? <laughs> Giving ourselves uh, away. Um, what did you make of the Halbergs? Uh, no, no controversy. No. In fact, I'd forgotten they were on until I saw something on my my Insta feed that they were on. And were you aware of them? I was. I mean, only because of my job. I think as a sports fan, they snuck up on me. You know what I mean? That usually every year there's a bit of contention around who's going to win this, who's going to win that. But I think this year, I think particularly because of uh, the way the Black Ferns went, they, that that would have been the easy one, right? Yeah, and I think that. Um, it went chalk, if you know what I mean. There were such heavy favourites, it went exactly how the odds would have said it was going to go. I, I'm so happy for Wayne Smith. I'm not a big believer in the awards. Okay, I've hosted mm. them a number of times, and it's fun. It's a great television event. Mm-hmm. But I'm not so sure of the relevance anymore. I find awards ceremonies quite strange just in their, their nature. So, for example, for music or anything, uh, the arts, you know, movies, TV, music, they're subjective things. How can you dish out awards for those? Mm-hmm. And then for sport, which is less subjective, they have their own built-in awards. You win a gold medal for being the best in your sport. You win a world championship. Why do we then double down and have another award? Well, the, for this one, and this is we had this chat with Staffy uh, out in the anteroom, We'll call it the anteroom of the station. And the fact of the matter is it's a huge fundraising project for the Halberg Foundation. That is why they have the awards. So it's it's that simple. I mean, it's created controversy all along. I mean, when you think of it this year, you know, Aaron Gate, what are you, what, four, four 
Commonwealth Games gold medals. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like yeah, I'll I'll see your four gold medals and I'll give you a gold medal at the Olympics. It's like that because the criteria is at the highest level. That's I think that's the line. Mm. Success at the highest level. And there's a, another little line that I don't exactly know how it reads, but also the effect on New Zealanders. Yeah. So there's actually a feel-good factor in the criteria as well. Which is why the Black Ferns are such, you know, hands down, you know, why they ran Team away with it. When you talk about the effect that it had on New Zealanders uh, and also a, a achievement at the highest level, when you're at the Commonwealth Games, particularly in cycling, the Americans aren't there. And, That's right. you know, yeah. they run rampant in sports like that. And, so. and, they, and, and even with cycling, I hate to say it, but you, you have to split the United Kingdom team yes. down into, you know, Wales, England, Scotland, Ireland. Um, and so they can't have the strongest team there. Yeah, Russia's not there as well. Um, which, <laughs> to be that. fair, probably well, they're not, not. They're not in the Commonwealth, so that's probably. Yeah. Well, nor America, but probably not going to be at the Olympics either. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, so it's so it's an interesting thing. But I'm I'm happy for Wayne Smith because the professor deserved something, uh, and what he did was a bit like a bit like Modi. My see, like now for mm-hmm. next year, I'd be saying Modi Mayor should be a nominee for Coach of the Year if they go and win the, 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 the title, the Breakers. Oh, 100%. Because they were 5-23 and 23 last year. They are one game away from being in the NBL, the ANBL finals this year. Yes, the only way he gets undone if they win that championship is if uh, Razor gets brought in and we win the World Cup. But he won't. But he's not being brought in before the World Cup. No, I'm just saying, that's the only way. Oh, so are you teasing? A hy- a hy- no, it's a hypothetical. I'm just saying that if we're going into hypothetical land, that would be the only way that Modi could get stripped of that. Did you did you see something on Facebook the other day? Some mainland mainland some odd site mainland rugby. Jeez. Oh, rugby! Yeah. Mainland rugby or something saying something about that. It's already a done deal. They're, oh, they're saying those. it's a done deal. So he raises in. I'm going. Yeah, this is this is a Christchurch based Canterbury Main based page. page. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I see those articles almost every other day. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it gets a bit tiring. Hey, does. by the way, I've got a text on the Timber Bed Protest line for you. Uh, great song. What was it? It comes from Australia, of all places. So they're listening on the SEN app, which is, hello, thank you for doing that. Do you remember the song we played at the top of the hour? This one here. That is uh, Mississippi Queen. It's by a band called Mountain. Um, it's got a nice nice wail, nice little guitar wail there, hasn't it? Oh, it's incredible. Uh, Leslie West is the guitarist and singer that he's playing there. He actually passed away a couple of years ago. He's playing on a uh, Gibson Les Paul Jr. Uh, through a Marshall Stack amp. I believe just a little overdrive pedal in there. And really we'll, do, a, we'll do our music review a little bit later on <laughs> in this edition of Afternoons with Staffy with Stephen Manire and Finn Bob. So just for the person again listening in Australia, it is Mississippi Queen by... Mountain. By Mountain. 12.21 here. Rumors you know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you're gonna go to that whole mile on the range. They got a lot of nice girls. I'm
12.29 on Afternoons with Staffy with Stephen McIver from the seat till 3, then Phoenix Nation after 3 o'clock. It is the second weekend of the NRL pre-season. Uh, the Dolphins uh, face the Gold Coast this weekend. We're, we're a little bit excited about the Dolphins because they're a brand new 17th team. They'll play at uh, KO Stadium in Redcliffe, so they're playing at home. But how do we think, or others think, the Dolphins will go in season 2023? This is what Corey Parker thinks. If you just look at the, the Dolphins team, um, it's a team that suggests to me that they're going to probably be in the bottom half of the competition, which no one expects them to yeah. go too much higher than that. So I think that's okay. But, um, you know, for the Bulldogs in 2021, they won three games on a wooden spoon. The Tigers won four games on a wooden spoon. So you'd think the team who gets a wooden spoon this year uh, will win five games. Now, if you don't get the wooden spoon, you're going to win at least six, seven, or eight, nine plus games. Now, if that's the case, who do the Dolphins beat that many times? Um, I don't know. But, Warriors? I mean, from what... Yeah, well, the Warriors, the Knights, Titans, oh, the Dragons. <laughs> um, you know, so there's there's a stack of teams you could probably throw in that conversation. Um, but from what I saw on the weekend, you did, one of Wayne Bennett's, you know, strongest sort of traits within trying to get his team is, is he just wants them to compete. And they certainly did that, um, albeit against a, a much lesser side in the Cowboys. But this week we'll get a really good indication of where they're at. Corey Parker talking to Joel and Fletch. I'm going to have to have words with Joel and Fletch, actually, because, you know, they always throw the Warriors out as a team to beat. Were they not watching? Are they not watching anything at the moment? We know the Warriors had a great strong win, a strong win, against the Tigers the other week, and it was a weak Tiger side, but they looked a better team. And we had Justin Morgan on the show yesterday. He feels better, and everyone feels good because you're a champion in preseason. It's as simple as that. So let me just quickly run through the, the Dolphins' starting lineup because it's their it's their best best starting lineup. Uh, Hamaso Tambuai Fido, he's the kid they dragged in from the Cowboys. He's handy, he's quick. Um, Jack Bostock in the centres. Tessie New, who, who wanted out from the Broncos and former Bronco Brinko Lee. Robert Jennings, hmm. Anthony Milford. Sean O'Sullivan, former Penrith Panther, former Warrior. Jesse Bromwich, Jeremy Marshall King and Mark Nichols in the front row. Uh, second row, Felice Kalfusi and Kenny Bromwich and Tom Gilbert at the back. Their bench, Cody Nicarima. Ray Stone, Jared Wallace, and Herman Essese. It's not a bad lineup, but then you have to ask the question: What is your depth going to be like? Uh, Ray Stone was the interesting one for me because people forgot about him last year because he blew his ACL scoring a try for Parramatta. It was a game-winning try. That's right. And he gave up the rest of his season to score that try. <laughs> props aren't he willingly gave it up just to blow his knee. Yeah, out. props are very north-south. You know, he tried to go <laughs> laterally and it didn't work out for him. But he. Um, he was tremendous up until that point, and I think he's a great get for them. Obviously, the Bromwich brothers and, and Wayne Bennett as well. Yeah, and I think this is going to be the test because everybody's been incredibly critical of Wayne Bennett and his inability to get a big marquee signing, right? They tried really hard to throw the, the house at Cameron Munster. He decided to stay at the Melbourne Storm. And we're going to talk about the Melbourne Storm in just a moment once we tie down Matt Duffy, who is a very busy young man, former Melbourne Storm player, former Blues player of all things, and now Pathways manager for the Melbourne Storm because they're playing the Warriors this weekend at Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch. But you look at it and you go, okay, that's not bad. It's a strong lineup. They, of course, the, the the biggest problem we have at the moment with the the Dolphins is it looks like an aging front row roster. But 
Am I right in saying this, Manaya, that, you know, front rowers get better with age? Yeah, like heavyweight boxers. Yeah, uh, like uh, you think of um, Seven Siva, right? Yes. Petro, Pech- right? He got better with age. He didn't get any faster. <laughs> but, he, but he certainly was was a presence. And he's a former Redcliffe guy, actually. We, we got some something from him a little bit later on because he must be incredibly proud being a former Redcliffe player, finally seeing uh, a team based out of Redcliffe and mm. in the NRL. So, that, you know, I think we have to – and I think the important thing about that is there is now history – Yes, it's a little. They are going to create history. We understand that, but they have history. About Seventy years, I think that club's been around. Um, and one of the, you know, there was sort of a no-brainer for, to be the next club. We talk about putting one in Wellington, perhaps putting oh, one in Christchurch. We don't understand the infrastructure they already have in place over that side of the ditch. And my favourite part about Redcliffe, because obviously we were based out of there for a while, me and the Warriors. Yeah, and, of course you were. Yeah, uh, right. is the bistro end at one end of that ground? Have you seen that? Is that is that where they, you 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 see them uh, go? For a, a penalty or a kick, yes. and there's the the big uh, veranda there, yes. and they're bistering little tables there, and you can yeah. s- sink whatever and have a good time. Doesn't that look like an amazing time to go and sit on the bistro and watch a game of footy? It, it, in a funny old way, it reminds you of one of those big stadiums in America where you have those yes. those areas where you can just sit and you see people yucking away and have a good time. Yeah, or the black clash and someone sitting in a spa pool on the sideline. Would you ever do that? I've done it. At the, at the Black Clash. You didn't. The annoying part of it is having to get out and go back to your seat because you're now wet. You've got to try and find somewhere well, okay. to get changed. Hang on, hang on. Why did you do it in the first place? Which just seemed like a good idea at the time. Were you asked to do it? I was asked not to do it. Um, but I just, Did you have your budgies on or anything or nothing? This was for a, this was for a, uh, a company I used to work for. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no, we were just running a promotion and somebody, we'd given away $10,000 and so... The winners were sitting in the spa pool. They're like, why don't you jump in? I was like, watch a game of cricket, have a beer in a spa pool. Absolutely. So you didn't last long, though, did you? No, well, I was actually still on the clock, so I had duties to attend to. (laughs) So I had to jump back out um, when my phone started ringing. And to be in your togs at a public event is is a very different experience than sitting in a spa pool watching a sporting fiction. Well, I think the other part of this question is, did you have your shirt on or off? Shirt off. Okay. A shirt off. I needed to keep it dry for when I got back out again. Comfortable in your own skin. In front of thousands of people. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, I'm training the house down, Stephen, and I am in phenomenal nick. What are you training for? Uh, just life in general. I'm hearing. I'm, I'm hearing the fight. <laughs> I'm hearing the fight for life's back. March thirty. I got to check in with Dino and find that out. That rumor swirls every year, but uh... well, they did it last year. Mm. So that was Mike King who we had on the show yesterday saying, "I'll see you on the fight for life, March 30. I'm going. Okay, haven't heard about that one. I did text White Onion Corpy saying I'd, I'd smash him on the undercard. Um, yeah, mate, you are stupid. Can <laughs> yeah. I just say one thing? I don't often call people stupid. You are stupid. Yeah, I backed if you out of d- that If agreement. you do it. Yeah, you would do it. Yeah, all righty. Well, so that's what's going. We're having a little, just a little bit of a problem getting in touch with Matt Duffy, but we will get him for you. It's 12.36.
It is Thursday afternoon on SENZ and SEN on the app if you're in Australia. It's the 16th day of Feb 2023 and we look like we have lost Matt Duffy in the ether somewhere. We apologise for that. He was all set to go uh, but has disappeared. But that doesn't mean we can't talk a little bit of footy and just remind you of who's playing this weekend at 250 at Orange Theory Stadium uh, in Christchurch. It'll be live on Sky Sport, the pre-season match between the Warriors and the Storm. So the Warriors have named Shans Nikol Klukstar. So that's the correct uh, pronunciation, by the way. Kluk, not Klokstad, it's Klukstar. I just double-checked with uh, the media guy, uh, Richard, and who is in Waihi, by the way, and says everything's OK in Waihi. And the Karangahaki Gorge apparently is open, which is an interesting oh, wow. uh, fact to know. So if you are thinking of heading that way... Uh, Richard says the Karangahaki Gorge is open, but just just check as well. Um, Klukstar. There's a real push at the moment, and I think it's a really good push by a lot of broadcasters. I know I know Sky Television are making a big push to make sure that uh, what they call talent uh, knows how to things, say things properly. They're running Māori and Pacific Island um, sessions for pronunciation. There was one I saw on Instagram, Manai, which I found interesting. So, so there'll be no more Māori Tupau Kapau, because there's actually Topo, Topo, Māori Topo. That's what he wants his name to be said, and fair enough. That's how his name is said. The yeah. Aussies have been atrocious at... Oh, uh, yeah, well, you can go to the classic Ray Warren one, you know, the, <laughs> the uh, big Joe Vagana, the, well, the, uh, which is Vangana, <laughs> but, you know, what he, how, how he went there, down that path. That's why I thought the, uh, the 12th man, remember the 12th man back <laughs> in the day, <laughs> and his, you know, Jerry, see you, see you, I see you too, Jerry, Jerry, and all that <laughs> stuff. Um, it, was, it was very funny, but it was also, like, way too close to the actual... Pronunciation, yeah. and, you know, like it yeah. kind of took the sting out of a lot of those jokes because that is how uh, the players actually pronounce it. Yeah. So I think oh, sorry, it, the commentators. I, I actually though, so though, think it's a good thing that the players are taking responsibility and saying, "Hang on a minute, this is how you say my name." It's always something I've tried to do is never always listen to what others. You go, you just go and ring the player and say, "How do you say your name?" On a number of occasions, I've always they've always said, "Oh." I've said, is it this way or that way? The perfect one was uh, Manu, Manu Vatuve, yeah. right? Everyone going, Vatuvai, Vatuvai. Yeah. His grandmother rang Sky and said, it's Manu Vatuve. Yeah. And from then on, you're fine. So you, sometimes you've got to be very mindful because it's important, actually. It's actually more important for their family. Well, yes. If you definitely. know what I'm saying. Definitely, but it's also just basic respect. I think yep. people that have, uh, like I have a pretty uncommon first name, so people commonly misspell it, mispronounce it. So, okay, so am I? So when I say Manaya, is yeah. that correct yeah, pronunciation? Right. That is right. What, um, have you, what have you had people say? Oh, everybody spells it mania, which is a mental disorder. Uh, every second letter is an A, M-A-N-A-I-A. Uh, so it is just a, it's a common courtesy thing, and I also think that particular frustrations come out from players and, as you mentioned, their families, that it's a lack of effort from a lot of those commentators. Oh, completely. Because the amount of uh, fans, casual fans of sport that could pronounce Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones, but like you mentioned, couldn't pronounce, you know, well, I hope I get, Haumole Olakwatu. Yeah, I, I just hope I get, uh, so it is Grant, it is Grantly Kiza? Kiza. It is Kiza, like yes. Giza? Like Giza. Are you sure about that? That's our guest after one thirty today, mm-hmm. uh, the, the boxing writer. Yeah. Okay, so just, you know, but you start to, you actually start to think about it a lot more. Uh, there is one NRL commentator who we spoke to earlier this week who was, so good at making sure he gets it right, and that's uh, Matt Russell. Matt Russell is the one guy who worked with Sky for a little while who was adamant that he had to get it right and make sure, and I, and I love that. And he's, he's one of those rare Aussie commentators too, may I say, but they're now all jumping on the bandwagon because the players are saying, uh, hang on a minute, 
That's not right. So let me just work through this. Uh, the Warriors team for Sunday, Chancellor Klukstar, Dallin Watanet-Zelezniak, Braden Williame. God, I have a, now, now I'm thinking, I'm second-guessing myself. Adam Pompey, Marcello Montoya, Timayri Martin, Sean Johnson, Adam Fanua-Blake, Wade Egan, Mitchell Barnett, uh, Jackson Ford, Marata Niukore, uh, Tohu Harris, Dylan Walker, Bunty Afour, Josh Curran and uh, Tom Ali. That's your starting 17. The interesting thing with the, the ping, the interesting thing with the storm, no Ryan Pappenhausen. He's out for six to eight weeks still mm. from that Arkley's injury. So Nick Meany uh, comes into the number one spot. And then you've got uh, William Warbrick, Remus Smith, Young Tonumaipea, uh, Grant Anderson, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes, Nelson Sofa Solomona, uh, Harry Grant, Christian Welch, wow, Trent Luero, L-O-I-Ero. This is this is a work in progress now, isn't it? <laughs> Trent Luero, uh, Elias Kator, former former warrior by the way. Tom Eisenhuth, Bronson Garlic, Josh King, Chris Lewis, and Tui Kamatha. Kamakamitha. Kamakamitha. I think Kamakamitha. it's I think it's Kamakamitha because the C the C in Fijian is soft. You don't say it as a hard C. The, the, the most interesting one out of that team that you've just named for me is Chris, Christian Welch, oh. who was out for most of last season. In fact, I think he might have missed all season. Um, and to be able to see him back out there, because he was tremendous. Uh, and the other thing, as you mentioned, uh, Pappenhausen, who was it's out. Probably not, it's probably not Hausen. Because it's an H U Y. It could be it could be Huizen. It could be Huizen. It could be Huizen or Huizen. Papen Huizen. We'll get him on the line next. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> Nick Meany replacing him. So Nico Hines is who they used to depend right. on when Pappenhausen or Huizen uh, was was out, which he often is. I don't know that you know Nick Meany's not really a game breaker in the same he's way that solid though. He's a, yeah, he's solid. And like we were talking about the other day, uh, league average player. He's probably that. You know, he's a, he's an NRL player. Caref- uh, carefully, was it the dog's fault? Be very careful what you say here. It was the dog's fault, mate. But you're right. Uh, but the thing you know, as as a whole, if you're playing for Melbourne and you're an average player, mm. you will become an above average player. Absolutely. Full stop. All righty. It's a twelve forty eight. Uh, while we're just thinking, um, Petro. Big old petrol, seven cents a litre, uh, former Rekif player on uh, the Dolphins and how cool it is. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And uh, obviously with uh, the, the Dolphins get, becoming the new NRL team, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's such a proud history of the club. I think, you know, 76 years, um, 1947, I think the club was founded and uh, came into the BRL in 1960. So... When you think about uh, you know the, the the history of the club, uh, starting all the way back then, and then now finally getting a chance to uh, to feature in the NRL, uh, it's, get, it's very exciting for uh, for the community, for the region, and um, I think uh, you know it's a good good salute to I guess those foundation years of of, um, of the hard work that was done by the club back um, in those years, and obviously has continued to build, and you know it's uh, quite uh, well known now for uh, I guess the amount of um, players and, and the talent that has come out of that region and now for local kids there's a real exciting opportunity now to uh, to hopefully go on to, to wear the Dolphins jersey. Okay, so that's uh, one former Redcliffe player excited about that, Petro Sivanasiva. Uh, just a quick uh, text in from Brad. William Warbrick, of course, he's the former All Black Sevens player. Yeah, he is. So he is on show. So that is, that is a good story. 12.50.
12.55 on SENZ Afternoons with Staffy, Stephen McIver in the seat. Uh, Ricardo's got Phoenix Nation, Phoenix, Phoenix Nation coming your way after 3 o'clock this afternoon. We can confirm uh, there was a slight communication hiccup. Matt Duffy from the Melbourne Storm will be with us at half past two this afternoon. Okay, so we will be hearing from the former Melbourne Storm Blues player at half past two. In the meantime, uh, I'm just, I don't know if I want to talk to him today because I haven't seen any bucket of wings whatsoever. Uh, but you can bet live on your favourite sports, download the TAB app today and send as much bad texting you can, if I give you the number, to Paul Mawate. Not one bucket of wings at all. Hello, Stephen. I love the way you say Phoenix. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, Phoenix. It's Phoenix like I've had like 44 gins. Phoenix Nation. So, oh, is that, is that, so that's your repost, is it? You come back with that, having not delivered Manaya or myself or Finn Bob any wings. It sounds like you've got a chicken bone stuck in your throat at the moment, to oh, be fair. Oh, wow. You are, <laughs> you are so pushing it at the moment. You are so pushing it. Like, okay, so you need to ring your contacts in Auckland and say, even if it's a bucket from KFC, just send it, all right? You've got two hours. Okay, you've got two hours, Paul. Two hours. Anyway, uh, test today. First test, England versus New Zealand at Bay Oval in Mount Maunganui. What are you looking at at the moment? Uh, well, first of all, the head-to-head market, and we've seen uh, the English trim in from $2.11 earlier this morning. They're now into $2.06. Mm-hmm. They have been very well supported by punters as well. They love the way that Brendan McCallum is coaching this team. He's given the players the freedom to express themselves. They could uh, they could get off to a very quick start here. So most of the money on the English, the draw, which a few days ago was around the 260, 275 mark, now out to $5.75. Oh. That would suggest that the weatherman is saying we're going to have quite a few days of good weather up at uh, Tauranga. So the draw, a big drifter, out to 575 now. Uh, the Black Caps are $2.31 to win the first test. Look, they've got a few sort of bits of support in terms of <laughs> it's cash not, from the it's funders. It's not very encouraging, but, is it? No, no, they... The, the punters are saying, and they're saying it quite like they're shouting it, they're shouting it out in terms of the money that they're putting down, that England are the way to go in this first test, and they're now into $2.06. Oh, wow. What are we? We're about an hour away from... first from, ball, yeah. We're about an hour yeah. away from first ball at, at 2 o'clock at Bay Oval. Hey, what about finishing the test early if they get the weather? Because there is some some suggestion they could, there are thunderstorms on the way, but that's late in the afternoon. What about the two-day, three, the three-day, four-day finish? Is there decent money on that? popular uh, in terms of when the tip will finish at the moment and the boys have put these in the power play so if that's what you're looking for head to the power plays the most popular uh, day for the test to finish is day four test to finish on day four paying 375 that's been one of the best back power plays out of all of the power plays and it's definitely the best back power play in terms of when the test will finish so test to finish on day four 375 very well backed there's a bit of cash on test to finish on day three as well, which is now $8. That has come in from $12. Just briefly, anything else uh, hanging around? We've got, a, you've got about 30 seconds. You don't forget the uh, Breakers. They're in Tasmania tonight uh, for game two of their semifinal series up against the Tasmanian Jack, Jack Jumpers. $1.92 in the Jack Jumpers. Breakers $1.80. Over 90% of the turnover in that head-to-head market on the Breakers at $1.80. And, of course, there's that big punter who put $6,000 on the Breakers back in November of last year to win 
the whole championship at twelve dollars. Six thousand at twelve dollars. Oh, yeah, that that would be something you want to come on. I'm glad you didn't say jock jumpers because you were close to saying jock jumpers. <laughs> All right, mate. But it's always a pleasure talking to you, Paul. But just one one word, and that's the. I'm going to leave you with that. Wings. Have a great day, mate. Look, there's an investigation underway to find out who ate your wings and Manai's wings as well. We'll get to the bottom of this, Stephen. Yeah, I'd like to get to the bottom of a bucket. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate the time, mate. Promotions in plan. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit the tab.co.nz and please gamble responsibly. R18 coming your way and inside 10 minutes. David Light on his WBA Cruiserweight World Title Fight. Six weeks away. You'll hear him live right here on SENZ. One oh four on a Thursday afternoon with Stephen McIver in for afternoons with Staffy here till three, and then it's Phoenix Nation with Ricardo after three o'clock this afternoon. A bit of cream, Manaya, you're outdoing yourself. The, the band Thank that you. Eric Clapton first started was one of his bands, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then he went on to become Eric Clapton properly. I got a you... bunch of cream uh, on the button bar, so give us a text if you want to hear another song throughout <laughs> the uh, throughout the afternoon. Okay, remember Joseph Parker was a world champion. Now we have another young man who has his sights on a world championship fight. It's the WBO Cruiserweight World Title Fight. It's six weeks away. It'll be between our very own unbeaten David Light against the champ Lawrence Ockley in Manchester. Six weeks away, and David Light joins us now here on SENZ. So how are you feeling six weeks out, David? I'm good, man. You know, I'm... um... I'm training hard. I've got a really good uh, tongue-inspiring partners that are all 6'5", so they're matching the height of my opponents, so everything's going good. Yeah, how tough is that when you have to go, okay, I'm going to have to fight bigger guys, train against bigger guys? How punishing is that? Oh, man, it's been pretty punishing. You know, I've got um, Junior Farah and Matt Matika in my camp, and, um, you know, they're, they're putting it on me. They're not... Uh, they're not giving me any easy out, so. Uh, <laughs> Mate, you've, you, you, you're up against giants. You're you're facing giants. Yeah. I mean, what? But what? But what me. is that teaching you, mate? What is it teaching you? Um, oh, it's just you know you got to be you got to be active, but it also teaches you, you just got to back yourself. You know, you got to um, you just got to back your ability. You you don't have to think too much about what the other guy has. You got to you got to know what you're capable of and just go in there and do the job. I've I've seen Matt Mataika's uh, first pro fight, which he won pretty comfortably. How hard does he bang? How hard does he bang, mate? Yeah, he's um he's really skilled, you know, and he's got a good right hand. I think it's more his timing. He's got really good timing. He's got really good flow. Um, but that's exactly what I need. And um, yeah, I'm just really grateful to have him in the camp. Um, it's been good. We've been bashing each other, so it's exactly what we need. Both of us. <laughs> yes. So talk to us. We don't. I don't know much about Lawrence Ockley. What do you know about him? Um, I know he. You know he won the WBO uh, title a few years ago. I think in 2020. Um, but he's been 
he's been pretty much hasn't fought in over a year now. I think he fought in January last year. So he's uh he's six foot five though. Um, he's pretty skinny. I think he wants to move up to heavyweight soon, but you know he's trying to dominate the cruiserweight division before he goes. But I'm there to stop him. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's what we all want you to do, bud. But but we we always talk about Joseph Parker being a, a small heavyweight and coming up against taller guys. And the issue that JP sometimes has is trying to get inside the reach. How do you plan to get inside? Well, yeah, I think another thing with for Joe is that he's he's in an open division, you know. So the guys he's fighting are like can be any weight, you know, can be well heavier than him, but. My opponent still, you know, he's got that extra height, but he still has to be the same weight. So hopefully it's it's not as a struggle to get inside and wrestle with him. And so I just have to, I have to keep my movement going, you know, keep on the outside. Keep He's he's really rangy and stuff, but I know that if I get in close, and which will happen, you know, stepping to the side and all that, I just got to work my ass off when I'm there. Yeah, but you mentioned the word wrestle. Do you think it might get down to that if you are struggling early in the rounds? And I'm not saying you're going to struggle, but it must take a couple of rounds at least to try and figure out your own range. Yeah, it does a bit, but I think that's what I'm doing with the sparring now. You know, I've got, you know, I think Junior Farr is probably taller than him, probably more rangy, and I'm working with him and, and working on around that, so... Hopefully by the time it comes to the fight, I'm not having to figure out too much. I've already got it basically mostly sorted out. So I think, yeah, I'm feeling really good about this fight. Um, yeah, I think i got a real chance here. This is the fight that I've wanted for ages. So I've been thinking a lot about it, planning, strategizing. And I feel ready for it. Are you a visualizer? Oh, yeah, massively, massively. Uh, I think it's so important. Um Something that I think a lot of New Zealand sports, maybe not so much the All Blacks, but other people are behind the rest of the world in. You know, you gotta, you can't have anything on the fight night be a surprise to you. You gotta like take in all possibilities and um, and just imagine, you know, going through it. How you're gonna deal with it? And I've done that, you know, my last few fights. So it's been a massive help. At what point on fight night do you start visualizing, or does the process start a lot earlier? Oh, way early, you know. I've been um, visualizing for months. You know, every every night when I'm going to bed, I'm I'm seeing what shots are coming at me, what shots I'm landing, how things are going. <laughs> so, um, you know, watching tape and all that kind of thing. I, I think it's just it's that's been a massive um, thing for me, and and um, probably the last couple of years, and just really getting into the zone and making sure that you know you're ready on fight night because you've been over and over and over in your head. Coming it, up to the fight, David. Is it something you have to learn? Because you know, you, you, you're going to you're at fight night. You're going to have people f- wanting to, you to sign things. They want to talk to you. You've got cameras mm-hmm. in your faces. You've got flashes going off. So, at what point do you switch on, as it were, into fight mode? Um, yeah, it's probably you know when you get into that changing room and you know that the next step you're going to be doing is going out into the fight. That's probably where you you know you really hit that fight mode, and um, try and really get your mentality where where you want it. You don't want to do it too much earlier than that because then you you know can give in to nerves and that kind of thing. So I'd say it's 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 in that it's in that waiting room where you're warming up and that kind of thing. That's where you're really starting to get into the mode. Does visualization get rid of those nerves? Yeah, I think in a big way it does. Like. For me, it does anyway. I can't speak for other people, but for me, it, it, when you've been over and over and over it, and then you just, 
let it go and you just trust what you've done. You trust all the visualization that you've done. You trust that you've got the potential and that you've got the keys to, to the victory and you just let it happen. Um, you kind of just forget about everything after that and don't let yourself be nervous because there's no point. <laughs> You've done everything else you can do. Do you think you and Isaac Peach, your trainer, are complete opposites? Are you the perfect chalk and cheese combination? Because Isaac, as much as he <laughs> goes off and drops a million F-bombs in the corner, he's actually quite a quiet yeah. fellow like you. But there's the, like on Fight Night, it's, it appears complete opposites. How do you guys interact and why does it work so well? Oh, uh, yeah, I think we're the perfect uh, yin and yang uh, combination. Eh? Like, yeah, it's just I know that no matter what, if there's anything even a little bit out of the line with the ref or the judges or anything, the Isaac's going to explode. And, you know, maybe that's not the best strategy, but I know 100% that he's behind me. And uh, you need that. You need to know that you've got people around you that are going to do whatever, put themselves on the line for you, absolutely. And I know that I have that with Isaac's. Uh, that gives me a lot of confidence and it gives, takes a lot of pressure off my shoulders knowing that I have someone like that in my corner. That's one part of the Isaac Peach equation. What's he like as a trainer? I know that's a really simple question to ask, but what does he yeah. what has he taught you that you would never maybe have got from anyone else? Oh, man, it's just... I think it's just the simplicity of it, really. I think people try and make it such a complicated equation because they think, oh, well, you know, there has to be some secret towards making a champion. But with Isaac, it's just really simple. It's just do the hard work, go over and over and over what you need to be do, like just smash out the basics of fighting um, and then just, you know, make sure that your your heart is 100% behind yourself and you 100% believe. And, you know, we now that you're seeing Peach Boxing being talked about, all over the world um, because of that simple formula, but it's just making sure you're turning up every day and bringing that same energy and and not letting it get too complicated. That's really all I think it is. I, I think there isn't really any magic to it. It's just we do the simple things that other people aren't really willing to do. Do you think the fact that Isaac was a boxer himself gives him an advantage of knowing what a boxer goes through mentally in the ring? Oh, absolutely. Um Isaac won some good fights in his day, uh, you know, through pretty much nothing but grit. So he knows what you need uh, in your mentality to be able to be a good fighter. And um, he knows what you need in your makeup and the will that you need to have. Um, and he's really good at identifying that um, because he was that guy. So, yeah, I 100% believe um from his past as a boxer, that makes him a good trainer. I was reading a story the other day, David, that suggested after you lost your final, I think it was 41st uh, amateur fight, you gave it up. You were going to give it away. Why? Oh, 100%. Oh, I, um, Isaac wasn't training anyone at that time. Um, I was just looking around at the coaches. Uh, I kind of had a falling out with my coach. And and at the time, you know, I used to talk so much crap about pro boxing because I believed that amateur boxing was uh, the better the better art form. Yeah, actually, <laughs> like I think, I, really think I remember that too. I think I remember that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> would have looked like a bit of a hypocrite, but you know, I sort of just um, just waltzed back into pro boxing, thinking nothing of it. Isaac said, "Just come train with us." He just started training people, so I thought, oh, "Yeah, why not?" Um, and then you know, all of a sudden, he's like, "We're going to make you a world champion," and I'm like, "All right." 
and uh, here we are. <laughs> so, so right from the get-go, did did Isaac see in you the potential to be a world champion right from the start? Yeah, he was. Um, even at the end of my amateur career, he was talking about because he wasn't training people at that time. He was talking about different pro coaches I could go with, and um, he was telling me he's been basically nagging me for the years, two years that I was off. He was saying, come to the gym, come to the gym, come to the gym. And finally I took him up on it. And um, yeah, yeah, he always saw it. He sees, yeah, he's really good at picking up potential in people. So it's kind of, I don't know, it's like a sixth sense for him. <laughs> well, you, you're in a very good gym now because you've got the likes of Andre Mikhailovich, you've got Jerome Pampalone. I think Matt Mataika yeah. has now joined the gym. And then, of course, you've got a potential yeah. world champion and, and Miyamoto. What's it like yeah. being in that environment? Can you describe the environment for people to under, let people understand why this is such a strong gym? Yeah, I think that's the key word is environment is that like when you walk into the gym, you know that you're walking into a place that everyone's got the same goal, you know, and that's to be the best they can be. They can be world champion. um, No one's in there just to like, I don't know, try and make themselves a better person or anything. You know, it's it's, it's all about elite, um, you know, getting to that elite level. And um, you feel it when you walk in the doors and you don't want to be the one any of one of the days to just be letting that, you know, letting that down, letting that environment down and, and contaminating that environment with your attitude or anything. Every, every day you turn up. And I think that's, that all stems from Isaac, the way the intensity that Isaac brings to the gym. Like there's no room for weakness in the gym and everyone understands that and you can feel it from everyone. I love that line, contaminating the environment. That's, that's that that says a heck of a lot. Did you? What do your parents think of all yeah. this? <laughs> uh, they they worry a bit, but uh. <laughs> I mean, were you were you always going? Were you always going to be a boxer? I mean, when when you first put the gloves on, said, "Mum and Dad, guess what I'm going to do?" And then now now you're now you're on the cusp of a world title. I'm pretty sure they. they uh, my dad liked it, but he thought I was only going to have about five fights. Um, and then later on, he was like, I think you're taking this a bit too far. But uh, mum always thought it was a bit much. But, you know, they're real proud of me and real proud that I've made it as far as I have. And um, they're 100%, 100% behind me. So, yeah, I'm really lucky in that regard. Did you think you would make it this far? Hell no. No, I, um, I you know, when I, I just wanted to have a fight just to say that I'd done it. And then uh, I lost that fight. So I had another one, lost that finally lost like four fights. I was like, I gotta win a fight. Then I won my first fight and stopped the stopped the guy within the first minute. I was like, that can't be it and then <laughs> after that I just got hooked. It's like it's honestly like a drug. Like you just you get hooked and then you, you can't give it up. <laughs> so, so so okay, let's let's talk about the, the next six weeks. How often are you training? How many times a day and then when do you start the taper? Yeah, I'm training every day at the moment. Um we're going pretty, you know, we're going pretty hard every session, so um, you know it's once or twice a day, depending on what we've got, sparring or, or just really depends on what that is. Um, but pretty much training every day except Sunday. Um, oh, that's the Lord's Day for me, and yep. um, then um, yeah, we start the taper when I leave. Um, we're trying to leave at least ten, twelve days before the fight, so that um, I can acclimatize because the fight's in Manchester, and then. Um, yeah, that's that's it. But that's basically how the last couple of fights have gone because I've fought over in Florida twice, 
and I was lucky to get the wins over there. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much the same thing. So nothing's really that new for us. I mean, it's a bit further away, but, yeah, we're pretty sure we've got we've got it down pat Wow, we're preparing for this. And, and, and I just get the sense you are quietly confident of being our next world champion. <laughs> well, that's good. That's what I want to be exuding, so... I'm happy with that. <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing the right thing, mate. I appreciate the time. Uh, the best no, of, thank you, the, Stephen. Thanks for having me. No, nah, you're more than welcome, mate. Uh, go well, and we'll we'll try and catch up with you maybe before you uh, jump on that plane. Go get him, mate. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. They're one of the nicest guys running around. That's uh, David Light uh, up against Lawrence Ockley late March for the WBO Cruiserweight title. I was so mono. I just so wanted to say... And I'm gonna I'm gonna say a sort of a, a, a naughtyish word. He's off the line now. You no, can no, say I was it. gonna say it to you though. You know, because it reminded me when he was talking about the Isaac Peach uh, mentality. You know, everything is you know you no no quarter given. It reminded me of you know Teledega Nights and Ricky Bubba going, I piss excellence every morning. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's and that's that's the attitude, right? And that reminded you of me. <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Yeah, I wake up every morning and piss excellence. I just thought it was a great line. It was, yeah, I'll probably get told off now. It doesn't really matter. Uh, David Light is one of the nicest blokes. He's he is also under the same promoter now, and well, the same organisation because that's being done by a company called Boxer, and that's who Joseph Parker has now tied himself up with as well. So they've t- gone away from uh, the Eddie Hearn. Uh, that that matchroom, they've gone away from matchroom, so now they're both under Boxer, that promotions company in England, who who have now taken the mantle of Sky Television UK from Eddie because Eddie Hearn has gone to DAZN. I'm going to need a flowchart. It was too much for you, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was yeah. way too much for you. <laughs> but one one thing about that though, you know, we talk about City Kickboxing, how amazing they do on the world stage. Yes, this is the same thing out of West Auckland. These guys on the world stage, uh, you know, representing New Zealand. What is it? I mean, he mentioned it's a, a culture and an attitude Simplicity. Thing. Yeah. Simplicity and, and the willingness to literally die for the trainer. You know, how um, how many guys want to die for the trainer uh, at, at uh, City Kickboxing? Seven. Seven of them. It's, um, <laughs> it's such a... Straight off the bat, it's, seven. It's so... Um, it's just so amazing. Like, we always think that, you know, little Kiwis boxing isn't a, a huge sport in New Zealand, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of it. Yes, but the renaissance in the last, well, you could say, almost the last decade, mm. has come from England. Yeah, for sure. And that's where that's where a lot of it's going on now. Um, but yeah, they need to be celebrated a little, little bit more. Completely. And there is the good stable of boxers out there, Peach Boxing. I was, um, I was talking to uh, Isaac today, actually, and he, I said, West Auckland. He says, ah, oh, we've got no power. We're on a hill. We're safe. We didn't slide anywhere, but we've got no power. So they're, op- they're operating in a situation which is not perfect, but he's still banging some big boys. Man, Junior Farhan, Matmatika, oh, man, they, they are big bruises. So we wish him the best of luck. Late March, I think, too, it'll be on pay-per-view on Sky in this country as well. Stick around. There's a lot to talk to. Uh, uh, talk about, excuse me, before two o'clock. We'll be talking boxing with Grant Lee Kieser about what the hell is going on with the World Championships next month. 27 with Stephen McIver in for Staffy. Ricardo coming your way after three with Phoenix Nation. A text on the Temper Bedpost text line uh, from uh, from Sean says, Hey, uh, we've got another Kiwi making waves. His name's Floyd Masson. He moved to Australia, but now did his, did his groundwork in New Zealand. He's maybe in the same division as David. Well, he is. He's a Tiao Mutu boy, and he's 12-0. and 0, And he is a national cruiserweight champion in Australia and the ANBF Australasian cruiserweight champion. So remember the name, Floyd Masson. Remember also the name Trent Bolt if the 
Black Caps get absolutely towelled up in the first test. First ball not too far away in around hmm, 35 minutes' time. And Andrew Gordy, who was on the panel this morning, was quite clear as to why Trent Bolt shouldn't play. As a, as a fan of the game and a supporter of New Zealand cricket, or cricket in New Zealand, I should say, of course I want to see Trent Bolt playing test cricket on New Zealand soil. He is our best bowler. There is no question about that. Um, and, of course, I want to see him lining up against England. I'm going to try and present an impartial argument here, OK, because I don't think people fully appreciate the, the floodgates would just come bursting down. And, and I think the precedent that is set by allowing Trent to then play test cricket would be... I don't think they would ever get it back. And I'll try and explain why, right? A lot of this is to do, like, Trent has gone from essentially being, I'll try and put this in terms that everyone can relate to, right? So when you're, a, when you're a contracted, centralized contracted player, you are essentially like a full-time employee, okay? But Trent has decided to become a freelancer. Now, we all know that with that, the, the, char- the, the, or the rate, I suppose, that you can charge for your work is completely different, and it is, and it is based on a completely different set of rules. So, for example, every player that's going to play Test cricket for New Zealand today, they earn a match fee for that Test match, which is complementary to their base salary. Now, Trent doesn't have that. So, what's the negotiation? If Gary Stead calls up Trent and says, "Hey, we'd love you to play cricket for New Zealand," Trent's not going to be asking for his usual match fee that he's had um, as a fully contracted player he's going to be in a position to negotiate a completely different fee to every other player. Now, that could be as much as, I don't know, potentially three times what a match fee might be for any other player who's, who's playing today. Now, what, sort of, what does that do to the dressing room? Knowing if you knew that Trent Bolt was being paid three, three times as much as you were, for example, uh, but for doing exactly the same work, what are you going to do and what are you going to think? you're going to think, what's the point in me doing this? If I'm good enough to play for New Zealand, then I should just do what Trent does and go around the world earning, earning, earning top dollar playing um, a shorter version of cricket um, and not having to have the same sort of, I suppose, restrictions that are placed on you as a contracted player. So, the, yeah, I don't think people fully appreciate the precedent that would be set by, by just taking the easy option, and it would be the easy option, and picking Trent Bolt in this instance. Again, can't stress enough, like, I'm a, I would love to see Trent Bolt playing cricket, but I think there has to be a ramification for choosing the path that he has taken. Okay, there you go. That's Andrew Gordy from uh, News Hub. His thoughts on why Trent Bolt shouldn't play. Hope you feel a little bit better about that. Uh, first ball inside uh, the next 30 minutes. I've had a text on the Timber Bedpost text line about uh, what frequencies the cricket on. Wouldn't have a clue. I know it's not an SNZ, but we will keep you up to date by putting our televisions on Spark Sport and making sure that that all happens. Okay, so I don't know where it is on the radio dial around the country. All right, stick around. We're going to talk more boxing after the news. Grant Lee Kezer, Australian boxing writer, on what's going on with the world champs. In May, because of the governance issues at the International Boxing Association. Funnily enough, it's run by a guy called Umar Kremlev. He's Russian. They've got a Russian sponsor, and Russia has been banned from the Olympics next year. And the IBA's decision to allow Russia and its ally Belarus to compete with flags and anthems after the invasion of Ukraine has gone down like a cup of cold sick. So 
Grantley Keyser joins us, Australian boxing writer. Is there an impasse or will it get worse, Grantley? Well, I think it might actually get worse because the uh, amateur boxing for a long time and it hasn't it isn't just at the moment has been mired in all sorts of controversy for a, a very long time. Some while ago, there was a, a great deal of controversy over amateur boxing because the uh, the the body that was running it on the, the the world stage was also supplying a lot of the equipment, and so there was a great conflict of interest. Uh, there's always been conflicts of interest when it comes to amateur boxing. And uh, I, I think this is actually going to grow worse because the United States, uh, as you were just saying, Britain and the Czech Republic are now talking about pulling out of the world championships as well. So I think it's actually going to grow. And, uh, you, you know, the, the, the anti-Russian movement in sport around the world is growing stronger and stronger. I, I just saw some photographs today of various uh, Russian athletes wearing the, the symbol of the, the, the Russian army is using in their... Uh, in their invasion of Ukraine. So I think that is, uh, is, is going to drive more and more countries to perhaps pull the pin on those world championships. Is there any way that the International Boxing Association can potentially remove Kremlev at all? I mean, how does that work? Well, you know, as I was just saying, amateur boxing has always been mired in, in, in controversy because the people generally controlling it at the top have have very great vested interests. And I think it's going to be tough to get rid of him uh, because I'm sure he has a big support base across the uh, various Eastern European countries who are very, very dominant in boxing. Places like Kazakhstan, for instance, have produced a number of Olympic gold medalists and Uzbekistan and and countries traditionally uh, with close ties to to Russia and the the former Soviet Union have... uh, done very, very well in, in amateur boxing over the years. So I think it's going to be a bit tough to remove him from the top job. Not saying it can't be done, but uh, these guys establish a power base for a reason and they always have a, a great deal of support before they do that. It's interesting to note that it's an amateur championship, but uh, for the first time they're offering <laughs> a, a lot of money uh, to win a gold yeah. medal. I, I read somewhere along the way of US 200,000 if you win a gold medal. So how can we sort of call it an amateur championship now? Doesn't Isn't that a bit well, contradictory? It, it, it has, yeah, it is. It's changed dramatically. You know, in the old days, you couldn't even be sponsored if you're an amateur boxer. And I've worked with lots of amateur boxers uh, over the years, including Jeff Fennick, and it was strictly amateur. You couldn't receive anything. Now, you can have professional fights. You can have half a dozen professional fights and then go back to the amateurs, which is what a lot of the guys are doing. The, the last Olympic gold medalist have had seven professional fights, I think, before he won the Olympic gold medal. So it is quite a ridiculous situation. And at the uh, Rio Olympics, some professional, you know, professional boxers of quite significant standing, including a, a former world middleweight champion, were, were trying out for the Olympic Games. So it is a very, very strange situation. And those changes have come about because of the amateur administration making money for themselves. Oh, gosh, It sounds decidedly corrupt. Let's just leave it at that. Let's talk some professional boxing. Uh, we've, just yeah. been, we've just been talking to David Light, who is facing Lawrence Ockley yeah. in six weeks' time for the WBO Cruiserweight title. Who do you like yeah. there and why? Well, I think David Light's a terrific fighter. You know, he's a good guy. I've seen him fight several times. He's a very, very dedicated professional fighter. I think he's got a, an excellent chance. The guy he's up against is a... Is a very, 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 very good fighter. But David's unbeaten in 20 starts. Uh, I think he's got a good, good chance. He's got to take the fight to the, to to Lawrence right from the start and, and put him on the back foot. But I think David has a, a very, very good chance. Yeah, that, you know, uh, Ocalai is he, he is a formidable fighter. 
but I, I wouldn't put anything past David. I think he's a, I think he's an excellent boxer. He's he's had some great results in a, in Australia, and um, you know I think he's uh, he's really um, he's he's coming to fight. He's beaten some good fighters from here, like Trent Broadhurst, and he uh, he beat Lance Bryant, who's a, a Kiwi fighter who I knew quite well. He was a very very good amateur. Beat Mark Flanagan, who's a, a terrific fighter. So I think uh, I think he's got a good chance in that fight. Ockley's a lot taller. He spoke to us. He's he's actually training against the likes of uh, Junior Far and a young new heavyweight yeah. who's had one professional fight called Matt Mataika. They're big six yeah. foot six, six foot seven uh, island boys who who know how to bang. But I I had to ask this question. I said, how do you get inside? And he says, well, I'll get inside and I feel really comfortable. Where do you yeah. think Where do you think he wins the fight though? Oh, I think as he says, get inside rough the guy up, just be aggressive from the word go. And he is a very strong, aggressive fighter. Uh, the one one thing against him, of course, is going over to the backyard. Uh, Manchester Arena, I was over there the night that Ricky Hatton beat Kostya Zoo, and the, the atmosphere there is, is really electric against the visiting fighter. And Kostya Zoo was uh, up against it before even before the opening bell. But if, if I think if David is, is aggressive, as, he, as I've seen him in fights in Australia, I think he can... Uh, I think he can really take it to Lawrence and, and, and turn him around right from the start. But he's got to be aggressive early on. It is a terrific fight. Both guys undefeated, you know, for the WBO World Championship. But, I, you know, I think, uh, I think David's a very, very good chance. And he'd be a very worthy world champion too. When, when does Tim Zhu become a world champion? Well, he's fighting Tony Harrison in a few weeks. Uh, that's for a version of the world title. He's, he's not fighting the, the best guy, Jamel Charlo. I, I I like Tim Zhu in that fight. I think Tim's a very, very good fighter. I think he's come on the last couple of years. I thought a couple of years ago that Jeff Horn would be too strong for him, but Tim's uh, risen uh, really through the ranks in the last couple of years. He's full of confidence. Tony Harrison's a sharp shooter. Uh, so once again, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Zhu's got to be super aggressive against him and, and really throw him off his game early on. If he does that, I think he can win the fight. If he allows Tony Harrison to get set and... Uh, and uh, show all his skills. Well, I think uh, Tim might be in for a tough night, but uh, I, I like Tim Zoo to win that fight. I really do. Is Zoo just a natural because of his DNA? Well, I think so. You know, I know Tim. I, I don't know him very well, but I used to know him when he was a little kid because I, I, I knew Kostya very well and I covered lots of Kostya's fights. Uh, and I remember Tim as, and his brother Nikita as little kids, three and four years old, swinging from the ropes in the, in the gym. You know, I, I remember them trying to learn how to skip. So they've certainly progressed a long way from there. But uh, Tim, Tim, um, he's very, very quick to tell you he's he's not Kostya Zhu's son. He's Tim Zhu, and he's very much a man in his own right. And I think that's one of the big motivating factors with him. Certainly, he's inherited a lot of uh, athletic ability and that wonderful hand-eye coordination from his father. But you can't take anything away from the dedication that he also shows, Tim. And a lot of people would say uh, that Tim's actually a more dedicated trainer than Kostya Zhu. Kostya was a terrific fighter, but a lot of people don't know. Between fights, he'd really get out of shape. He'd uh, brew his own beer and drink a lot of vodka, and he'd really get out of shape, whereas Tim is on his game all the time. He's a very, very fit guy, very focused, very determined, very serious guy. He's a... He's a good guy, Tim, but he's very serious at his job and uh, he's not going to let anything get in the way of him becoming a world champ. You know, he's, he's up against a very, very good fighter in Tony Harrison, but I think he can do the job. Grantly, let's talk about the heavyweight division. Where do yeah. you, who do you think is the best Australian heavyweight right now that, that could go all the way and, and get a well, belt? 
Yeah, there's a couple of them. Dempsey McKean's a terrific fighter, undefeated. He's been training over there with uh, Tyson Fury and, and um, Joseph Parker in the UK. He's been sparring the likes of Anthony Joshua. He's very good, six foot seven inch southpaw, a really, really good fighter. He's be- already beaten a couple of fighters. And we also have, um, you know, Justice Hooney, who's uh, is excellent. He was a very highly ranked amateur. He uh, he probably would have won an Olympic medal. He'd beaten, he he beat uh, at the World uh, Youth Championships. Uh, he beat Richard Torres, who ended up getting an Olympic silver medal. So Justice Hooney and uh, Dempsey McKean are both terrific fighters. Lucas Brown's still around on the scene, but, you know... At the end of it, right? A bit questionable. He's, uh, he's fighting big baby um, Jared Miller next, you know. That, that's going to be a very hard fight for him. But I, I, I like Dempsey McKean very much. I, I've, I've seen him and Justice Hooney spar quite a bit. Uh, there's not much between them. Dempsey's a lot bigger. And the fact that he's a southpaw makes him, you know, a really difficult opponent for, for a lot of the top international guys. Uh, he's, um, you know, he's on the cusp of having a world title fight now. So, you know, I hope he can do it. It'd be a great fight, him and Joseph Parker. You know, oh, yeah, I know well, Joseph. yeah you, you beat me yeah, to it. You beat me to it because, you know, yeah. there's, there's three guys sort of wanting to fight Joseph. But and yeah. you saying that Dempsey has fought in Fury's gym, which, of course, uh, Joseph has as well. But it's 6'7", and, and he sounds like he's a goer. And he's a southpaw, which makes it always difficult. You know, <laughs> I was in the opposite corner to uh, Joseph Parker once. I was in the corner for the South American heavyweight champ, um, Marcelo Nascimento. That's right. Uh, he gave Joe a very, very good fight in 2014 over in Germany. But uh, Joe's really kicked on since then. You know, he's one of my favourite fighters I, and a, a, a terrific guy. Great, great boxer. He hasn't dodged anyone either. You know, if, they, if there's a hard fight offered to him, he takes it. And I think he'd have a pretty hard fight with Dempsey McKean. I really do. Uh, Justice Hooney's a, a terrific fighter, but he's, he hasn't got the power in his punches that Dempsey McKean has. So that's one thing against him. But a brilliant boxer. Well, you're the first person to say that. I've heard say Justice Hooney can't punch hard. Uh, do you do you feel that just Joseph Parker can win a belt again, or is he done? No, I think he can. I, I think you know. I don't think that there's much difference between you know the top five or six guys. Tyson Fury's probably, I think, out in his own because of his size and his his his, his, his movement. You know, for a man so big, he, he moves so well and has such great skills. Usyk's a, a a great boxer, but I don't think there's much difference between the next four or five guys. And I think Joseph, on his day, can can you know if he if he fights at his very best, can beat just about anybody. So and, and we've seen that he's fought some some great heavyweights over in the UK, you, you know, and. and and beating them, so I, I think if he puts in the, the best performance he can, I think he can. I think he can win another belt. I really do. Greatly, Kizu. I appreciate your thoughts and your insight in the world of boxing. And uh, thanks for propping our boy David Life for, to going all the way and winning that WBO title. Have a great Thursday. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the program. Yeah, you're more than welcome, Grantly. He's an Australian boxing writer. Says David Light can go all the way. Doesn't that make you feel good? It's 1.45. I'm extremely fortunate that I don't have any annoying workmates today. Finn, Bob or Manai, they're very pleasant to work with. Pleasant could also be a giveaway to what I really think. Uh, it's 10 to 2 this afternoon, and tonight at 9 from 9, we'll have coverage of the second playoff game between the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers and the Sky Sport Breakers. Breakers winning the first one, and they are one up. A one more win, and they're into the finals. Who will they play? The Kings or the Taipans? Who knows? Kings won the first one, uh, but that's also going down uh, to what will happen. So, a former breaker, Alex Pledger, spoke to the lads today and gave us his impression of what might happen tonight. Obviously, there are a few players in the Jack Jumpers who didn't play last game um, with Majet and Steindl, two of the 
you know, Majet's their starting point guard and Steindl's kind of like a, like their sixth man, kind of like a scorer, shooter coming off the bench. And I'm not sure if those guys are going to be playing or not. I did see a thing on social media this morning from the Jack Jumpers saying that they're trying to find a like a face mask to put on the jet to see if he can get out there a little bit. But um, but but yeah, I think you know the formula that the Breakers have been using in recent times. I don't think they'll have to radically change too much. You know, I'd expect to that uh, tonight's game to perhaps be just because it's in Tasmania to be a little bit closer than it was the other night, 12 hours from now, you know, the the breakers might be back in the grand final. And that would be cool, wouldn't it? How cool would that be? We're all on that. We're on the breaker train, aren't we? We're back on the breaker train. And that's the good, that's the good thing about it. Um, if you're on the black caps train, that is on spark sport while they're still around. Uh, that's on spark sport from Bayou. First of all, we expect to be close to, well, 2 PM, maybe a little bit after two, once they've done all their, you know, pre, pre-match uh, warm up, so to speak on the telly. So it's not on sky. It's not on TVNZ. It's on spark sport, Brian. Okay. one fifty two. One fifty-seven on afternoons with Staffy with Stephen McCarver head or three. Then Ricardo's back with uh, Phoenix Nation. That sort of cream music. That particular song reminds me. It sort of makes you feel like you should be cruising down some long American highway with the top down, and the hair blowing, the wind blowing through your hair, or whatever. How much hair you've got, and just just doing stuff, right? I like to think that somewhere in the country, someone's doing that right now, listening to us. Yeah, we're just cruising, going, yeah, I like that, man. That's really cool. Hey, uh, just a reminder. Coming after two o'clock, we're going to talk to Brad Rosen, former Sydney King and our basketball commentator, about how. How things are going to unfold tonight between the Breakers and the Jack Jumpers at My State Bank Arena. Well, see, My State Bank Arena is really interesting because of one thing. The the Breakers record there is absolutely mud. How about this for a stat? Uh, Manaya, 1 in 10. They have a 1 in 10 record at My State Bank Arena. Their losing margin is an averaging 13.5 points. And Modi Mayor, who, who I see believe, missed out on the coach of the year, couldn't believe that. He goes, This is his quote. I, I won't try to repeat how he would say it, but he goes, It's a place I don't like. It's a place I don't like to be in. And then, how about this one? Uh, it's not like. It's not liked by the team. <laughs> so great attitude to take into a, a critical game. I don't like the place. It's a place I don't like to be in. So <laughs> if there's one thing that's going to get stuck in your head and you've got to move forward, it's the fact you've only won once in 11 times and this is a critical game. Win this one, they are into the final. I mean, pile on top of that the fact that they had to take a flight out at 3 in the morning. They've probably been there for a day longer than they would like to have been. Oh, did they not go to Melbourne first and then go to to Tassie? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, but... Um, but I mean, you know, that's a long time on the road to then end up at a place you don't want to be. I think we might talk to Brad Rosen about this and how yes. that, that might affect them. Brad Rosen, coming your way after 2 o'clock here on Afternoons with Staffy, right here on SENZ.
2.04 on Afternoons with Staffy, Stephen McIver, Head or 3, then uh, it'll be Ricardo with Phoenix Nation. Uh, coming your way before 3 o'clock, we are going to talk to Matt Duffy. we got our times mixed up, you know, one of those time zone thingies. And we'll talk to him about the Melbourne Storm against the Warriors uh, this coming Sunday at 2.50 at Orange Theory Stadium in Christchurch. But right now we're going to talk the ANBL. It's finals time and the breakers are up against the Jack Jumpers. And of course you've got the Kings against the Taipans, the Snakes. Well, Brad Rosen is a former Sydney King and he's a basketball commentator. He joins us right now. Afternoon to you, Brad. Afternoon or morning, depending on where you are. Great to have you <laughs> being there. How are you going? Mate, it's uh, just gone two o'clock, so it's the afternoon. Uh, so, we're, so we're all good. All righty. Hey, um, what do you, how do you think your Kings go? Well, they uh, played last night. I was obviously there and, and did the commentary, and, and they were uh, looked like they were rusty for the first half. Cairns were outstanding, shot the ball amazingly. Um, but then the Kings did what the Kings do, and, and the best player in the league, uh, and that's in my opinion as well for the best team, uh, Xavier Cooks was outstanding. 27 points, 15 rebounds, and carried that team to a great win. They're 1-0 up. Uh, did they go all the way? from what you've seen? Because, you know, Cairns traditionally have always been a tough nut to crack. Yeah, look, it's, um, I, I do feel for Cairns. They have been outstanding all year. Uh, Keanu Pinder, out injured. Uh, Tahaj McCall did not play last night. That's two big games. That's two big, big outs for them. Uh, Keanu was, well, he was the most improved in the league and arguably, you know, in the top there to be MVP, except for the end of the season with some injuries. He had 30 piece when they played against the Kings last time and, and got a win. So it's a huge out for them. I thought DJ Hogue was great. Um, but the Kings just had enough to get it done. I do see the Kings winning in Cairns. I just think it's going to be so hard unless um, a call can play and he changes it. If not, yeah, I see them winning in three at the worst. So I do believe they'll go through and I think they'll play your boys. Okay, yeah, I was waiting for that one. Uh, but the, the important thing, though, when you when you look at teams, knowing that it, it, it's, it's tough, but when you say they got the job done, that's when you know a team's strong and has depth, right? 100%. And that's been the, the, the key to the Kings this year. When you take out, even when Xavier Cooks was injured, they had enough to get it done. When Derek Walt was injured, they had enough to get it done. When you take out some other players, like the first one that comes to mind, you take a Bryce Cotton out of Perth, they don't even look like they're going to win a game. So that's where the depth of the Kings has been great. What do you like about the breakers that you have seen this season before we sort of try and break down the Jack Jumpers game? That they're not playing the Kings at the moment. That's what I like about them. <laughs> um, look, they're, they're, they're an outstanding team. And, and can I say, uh, I think uh, Adam Ford is an outstanding coach and the coach of the year, but I thought Modi the whole way along. I love him. I think he, from a guy to go as a lunatic as an assistant coach, I'm so sorry because I love him, right? I yeah, think yeah. he's outstanding. But then to take over as a coach, I don't think I've seen someone just do it so easily. Like, you know, you get assistant coaches that do They love him. The players love him. The team loves him. And they're playing like that. I think they're an outstanding team. I mean, you talk about being should have, could have, would have, should have been coached. You there with a 5-23 and 23 last year. Now, we, we spoke to him right back at the beginning of the season. He said, I'm going to build this on, on defence. But offensively, they, they, they look even better. They, they're, both, they're great both ways. I... I, I 
I think they just recruited outstanding. They've got the best three import combo in the league, no question, when I talk all three. And that's a you know a big statement when you look at teams like the Kings and even Cairns, who have got great import. What New Zealand done uh, is great. Uh, I love what Wilbert Gow White's doing. I think Liasa, that pick up the strength, the defence, they're just so well balanced. And right now, when I look at the four teams or even the top six, there's no one that can compete with the Kings except this team. Right. Uh, I hope... I hope that it gets a grand final series because it deserves it. Yeah, of 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 the big of the big pickups, the American imports. Who who most do you like of the what the breakers are throwing at teams? Oh, Brown Jr. I mean, I I just love him. I, I just think he. You he, love a lot of people. You know, you got a lot of love to give. Oh, well, yeah, mate. I, well, you know, I, I love Kiwis. Full stop. No, I'm just. Um, but <laughs> look, Barry Brown Jr. I, you know, with me, I, I commentated pretty much every Kings and every Wollongong game. So I got to, sorry, yeah, and Wollongong Illawarra. So I got to see New Zealand a lot. There was a game that New Zealand were playing and Barry Brown had a really awful first half. And when I say awful, for him, you know, he's dominated this year. In the second half, he just, just took over. And I just thought, you know, and Will McDowell-White was great in the first half, pardoned with his rebounds. I just think they're just so well balanced. But Barry Brown Jr., to come off the bench and do what he's doing, Uh, he's a game changer and that's what titles are made of. Do you think the Jack Jumpers get Majette back tonight or or not? Uh, There's talk, there's talk. I was actually, yeah, I can't see it. I was in Wollongong when it happened. I saw the injury. He was right next to me. That thing blew up like a balloon. That doesn't, in my opinion, get over, you know, in a day or two. I know it's been a week or so, but I just can't see how you play with that. But you could wear a mask. They really miss him, and it's win or go home. So it wouldn't surprise me, but I just can't see him making that huge impact. That is such an awful injury. What is it about the Jack Jumpers that they've had pretty much instant success since being formed? Oh, firstly, their coach. Um, he, he's amazing. He's, he's just got this. They're never out of a game. No matter what they do, they're always in a game. Why? Because they play pure basketball. They're dogged on the defensive end, and I think Jack McVeigh leads that. They're great on the offense where everyone is unselfish. You look at some teams in the league, and we call it over-dribbling. They, the guard gets the ball, and it's one dribble, three, five, ten, twelve, bang. Not with Tasmania. It's kick, kick, kick. Have I got an open shot? Not nah, kick again, and they find the right guy. They're a beautiful team to watch. Wow, okay. So, But how difficult are they going to make tonight? See, Modi Mayor says, quote, uh, it's a place I don't like. It's a place I don't like to be in. He's talking about the arena, but then I discovered... I love his honesty. Well, He's the best, man. <laughs> yeah, but he probably has memories that that was pretty much the base for the the breakers in the last year of COVID. So they, they're 1 in 10, mate. So uh, do, how do you overcome something like that, regardless of you know it being just another place to play in? Yeah, it is. It's a tough one. And, and, you know, you can turn around and go, oh, you know, let's try and forget about it. The bottom line is if New Zealand win to lose today, they've got another chance. So that always plays in the back of your mind. Tasmania don't. They are going to be so hard to beat at night. You know, they've got that defend the island. I love it. And, you know, they're going to come out tonight. That thing got sold out in three minutes or whatever it was. So the crowd's going to be great. That will give Tasmania a lift with or without Majet. They will play super hard tonight. I am so on the fence with this game. I'm going Tasmania just purely because they're at home, but I cannot see them winning the series. Wow. Okay. Let's let's talk about the NBL as a whole because we, I've been discussing this with a number of people, and the one thing that strikes me is the incredible growth 
of the Australian League and how strong it has become. What do you put that down to? Larry Kesselman, just as simple as that. Um, you know, seven. I've been now. Well, I've been part of the NBL since 1985. That's a bit. Played in the league in the yeah, played in the league in the 90s. So I've seen it go all the way through the 90s, which was phenomenal. Then I saw it go all the way bad, you know, early in the 2000s, and then the Sydney Kings got kicked out, amongst others as well. And I think about I have no seven, eight, nine years ago, whatever it was, the league was on its knees, and there was talk of taking a year off to see if they can get this thing going. And then Larry Kesselman took over. He had a vision. I would hate to think how much money he's pumped into this thing and what he's lost but when you say lost he's probably gained so much as well but if it wasn't for him we have no league but what I love is it's not just oh I'll put my hand in the pocket and you know see if we can get this thing going no I've got a vision and this is what we're going to do then you look at the success of the South East Melbourne Phoenix and then Tasmania the new teams he's brought in what he and his team have done Jeremy Lowlinger obviously a huge part of that has second to none and to me we owe everything to them or we wouldn't have a league are you surprised at how quickly it has, it has exploded since he has taken over? And now, you know, there are, there are young NBA hopefuls constantly wanting to come and, you know, get themselves ready for the NBA by playing not in the European leagues, but in the Australian league. What a great question. And the answer is a bit of yes and no. What I mean by this, I'm not surprised at the growth because I've always thought the sport is outstanding. It's an entertainment. When you go there, it's just two hours of absolute hysterical fun. And, my, you know, I've got young kids now, but prior to that, like every kid loves it, every family loves it, and it's great in that, the entertainment. So to answer your question, no, nah, not surprised at all. What I am surprised about is the NBA side of things. All these players, LaMelo Ball came out here a few years ago. I mean, why are they coming here? Because our league's so good. That bit got me. I thought, wow, look at this. I mean, I know, you know, Rupert, your guy, um, you know, they, what do you have, 15 scouts or something at a game? I mean, this is it's unheard of. Hmm. And, you know, there's good talk that he'll go high and uh, in the draft, and please God he does. But what that side of it, I, I, I just shake my head, wow, who would have thought we'd get there so quickly? And then and the exposure given on ESPN as well. I mean that's that's just like gold. That is that's that's the golden goose, right? Hundred percent. I mean, you know, we, we couldn't get on T V before. There was no T V and if it was T V it was highlights and now they're knocking down the door and it's it's great. The the, the team is outstanding. I mean, you know, just take the New Zealand team. You know, I think one to ten. Tell me, tell me who's playing. Not, not so good. I mean, like Rob Lowe, when he was in Cairns, and no disrespect to Rob, I'm thinking, wow, he's got a year or so left. You know, he's looking there. And he's come back and he's in. He's a new lease of life. He's arguably one of their best players the last few weeks. He's playing unbelievable. And I just look at that great culture, great team, enjoying what they're doing. I think it's fantastic. What a great time to be involved in this sport. So because you've been so involved in the game for such a long time, is it making inroads into other sports in Australia? In this country, the most participated sport at secondary school level, right? That's up to, say, 16, 17, is now basketball. It used to be football. It's now basketball. Are you seeing a similar trend in Australia? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I mean, the the kids' participation in Australia is second to none. And I... um, I like to give back because this, this sport has been so good to me. So I'm uh, like a president of a local association basketball because I just, my kids play in it and I said, I want to help. There was a hundred kids playing in that club three years ago. It's now 500 with people on the waiting list. Wow. And we haven't done anything except just playing. 
So, you, you, you know, all of these things and then, you know, they come down and, you know, we get Kings players involved and opposition and we get tickets to the Kings and it is just, you cannot get enough. People calling, that was great, I love it. And, you know, a few weeks ago, 14,200-odd people came to a Kings game. Yeah. Now, oh, that might have been the New Zealand one now, think about it, but I can't remember fully. But it was just, uh, or it may have been Phoenix, but just the crowds have been phenomenal. That's 14,000, not, you know, even six and eight's a decent crowd. So, Oh, it's just the participation's great. Uh, it's great to hear that that's happening in New Zealand as well, because obviously with football, I know how passionate and big that is. But to hear that, that is just amazing. Yeah, I suppose the other thing now, I mean, with the likes of the uh, ANBL League now, looking at this going, well, we've, we're filling out stadiums. Do you suspect there's more growth going? There's, there are going to be, is there going to be another team before we know it? Uh, I think there'll be another team where I don't know. I mean, there's been talk of Darwin, there's been talk of Canberra potentially coming back. So I'm pretty sure there'll be another team. Uh, This is an absolute personal opinion with absolutely no idea of what's going on in the league. It wouldn't surprise me if there's going to be an overseas, like an Asian team coming into it and playing some type of thing, because that that could be great. But yeah, I can definitely see it happening. Wow, so all, all is good. So you picked the Jack Jumpers tonight only because it's a sellout and they're at home and they will be tough at home. Yeah, and I'm doing it with sitting on the fence a little bit, but I know if I said I don't know who's going to win, you know, you would definitely say to me you can't do that. So I had to pick Oh, no, someone. no, 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 but, no, no. I would rather you be honest. Yeah, no, I'm joking. Look, I, I just... Um, can New Zealand win tonight? Absolutely. Should they win? Yeah, probably. I just think with the um, atmosphere, the adrenaline, I just think that will get them over the line. But if New Zealand win, wouldn't shock me at all. And they probably deserve to win because they're the better team. Right all right. Now. Well, Brad Rosen, thanks for giving us your insights. I, I love your passion. Uh, have a good one again tonight and uh, we'll talk again sometime. Thank you so much. Love hearing you love my passion. My wife doesn't because I never see her, but that's great. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate it. Hope you looked after on Valentine's Day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> when was that? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. 218, Brad Rosen, former Sydney King. <laughs> he is incredibly passionate. Uh, Finn Bob, it's your turn to talk. Finn Bob? Well, he's talking to Brad. Oh, obviously. okay. Well, <laughs> okay. When he stops talking to Brad, uh, let's have, because uh, Finn Bob's our basketball, one of our basketball experts along with you. Uh, what did you think of that? So, I didn't realise, and Finn Bob told us that the Breakers had been in Tasmania in the, in the last COVID year, so that was interesting. That's why they're one in ten. Is Finn Bob off the phone yet? I'm here. Finn Bob, what did you what did you think about his? Oh, wicket! Zach Crawley gone. Uh, court Bracewell bowled Southie. England eighteen for one. 18 for one early in the opening day of the test at Bay Oval. Just sort of throw that one there. Uh, I don't know what I don't know what radio station is providing commentary to the, on the Timber Bay Post text line. Can't uh, be a very good one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awful to me. Yes. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and just a reminder, we've got coverage of the Jack Jumpers Breakers tonight from nine commentary here on SCNZ. So Finn Bob, he's he's saying sell out. Took about three seconds to sell it out. How tough will it be for them? The it's Breakers. Going be, it's going to be pretty tough tonight. But I think they can do it. I really do. Because? They're just the better team at the end of the day, really. Okay, come on. Give me some insight. Don't throw me cliches out here. I mean, you, you, this Will McDowell-White. Talk to me about him. Okay, Will McDowell-White, great player. He's great on the offensive and defensive end. He's yep. If he was in the NBA, he'd be a triple-double machine, but they played less time. Mm-hmm. So if you look at his stats, he's averaging probably like six assists, six rebounds, and like 15 points. It's amazing. He gets everyone involved. And then obviously Barry Brown off the bench, Prolific scorer, beautiful. And Derek Pardon, great defender. And then Jarrell Brantley, just, he just does it all. Mate, how good was that, eh? 
give him his first crack and he just throws out the greats and the beautifuls. What do you think, Manai? Should we keep him on? I reckon he can do the next 40 minutes by himself. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! We can swap seats, Stephen, it's all right. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, stay where you are. 220. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? What is making news today on the 16th of February, 2023? Come on down, contest number 42, Manaya Stewart. I always feel like I'm giving away a, a blender or a microwave or something <laughs> on that blender. music place. That's, that's what you want to get you know away, I mean? a blender. A, a Nutribullet valued at six ninety nine. <laughs> Can um, you remember the other three items that came before that? That was the generation <laughs> game with a guy called Bruce Forsyth many yeah. years ago before you were born. No, no, they all came down the conveyor belt. That's right, they? yeah, they did. And then you had to remember, yeah, remember that, and a, you won them. There was a Hoover and then a standing lamp and then a blender. <laughs> <laughs> the Hoover. There's always the Hoover. Yep. <laughs> um, right. Does, does Brendan McCullum look nervous to you on the screen? No, he looks like he needs a shave. He's got the hell of a he's got the hell of a beard look at line going on, doesn't he? Twenty three for one after four overs. Uh, run rate sitting at 5.75, one wicket down. There could have been two, but Neil Wagner, front foot, no ball. We clean bowled. I can't remember who it was, but it looked a great. It was a great nut because it came back in. But there you go. We carry on. Yeah, Wagner recalled. So, uh, I don't know, it's interesting to see how uh, Bears ball goes when they're looking a little bit shaky on it. Oh, it's, uh, there was some suggestion, though, that they don't like the pink ball. Mm, so we're in their head already. Already in there. Mate, we are, we are sounding so confident, aren't we? Um, yesterday we were talking about, you know, so much bad news going on yeah. around the world. So we got a bit more positive news. Good. Uh, and so, you know, we did a bit of research into what exactly makes people happy. Uh, and we and you know we talked a lot yesterday about uh, people that win lotto mm-hmm. and they often uh, you know return back to their baseline of happiness or even sadder than they were before they won all the money yeah. and they often lose it all quite frequently. Uh, well, the bloke who wins lotto just about every week uh, is Michael Jordan. He <laughs> may, he must the amount of money that guy must make. You know, do you remember when back when he was playing, they would always put out these stats of how much money he made per second oh, on the court, how much money he made uh, per dribble of a basketball. And, and that and was that like was that. pretty much when they were onto their third or fourth championship. The, I think they won. He did. He win six championships. He won six. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was that. That's those things started when it was like four and going, and he was really coining it from Nike and the likes. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, a movie coming out on Phil Knight. The uh, ben Affleck, of Nike? I think it's ben, uh, ben Affleck has I, written the movie. I believe so, yeah. yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm halfway through the book, so no spoilers. I want to see if the uh, company makes it or not. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mike, uh, it's Michael Jordan's 60th birthday today. Uh, well, oh, yesterday, wow. our time, but today in America. Still looks good, man. Still looks like it's slam dunk over our heads. Oh, absolutely. Um, I reckon he could absolutely dunk at 60. He has given... $16 million has not been given to him. He's given it away on his birthday. To whom? To Make-A-Wish. So uh, he's been part, you know, he's been partnering with Make-A-Wish since 89. Oh, gosh. Um, 89, man. So, so I, yeah, imagine how much money he's given to them over that time as well. Um, but it's the largest donation ever received from an individual in the organisation's 43-year history. Uh, his hope is that his decision to celebrate his birthday by donating to Make-A-Wish will inspire others to help fulfil the wishes of kids still waiting for their wishes to come true. Oh, well, that well. which is so cool. I got a friend that has worked for Make a Wish Foundation, and and we've we've I've helped him make a few wishes come true. Yeah. Uh, the recent one was actually Breakers game. A young Christ, oh, really? a young Christchurch boy uh, wanted to be in the television truck and work ah. on the, and work on the replays, 
and you know have a crack yeah. at it, and they and uh, the Sky TV team made it happen. Wow! And the and the breakers got right into it, and the mother was just uh, bes- overcome with emotion, yes. and the kid thought it was the best thing ever. I mean, it is. It's incredible. You. I mean, I met Dirk Nowitzki. I don't know if you've. I saw. I saw you mention that. No, but I saw saw that on your Instagram feed saying, "Oh, there's Manaya talking to Dirk." Mm. When did that happen? Oh, look, I don't like to talk about it. Tell me, Um, so I don't really. When did it happen? Uh, It was last Saturday. Um, I didn't even know he was in town. No, no one did. Uh, he just rung me and said, hey, could you not tell Stephen, but I'm going to be at Foot Locker on Saturday if you want to come down for a yarn. Well, I felt like a Make-A-Wish kid there. Like oh, just, wow. You know, when you meet someone that's that famous, that you know, that you've watched on TV for that long, it's it's absolutely... That's inc- pretty cool, man. It's incredible. Um, did, but, you play, did you actually interview him? Yeah, I interviewed him. Have you played it on the show? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, I didn't listen. That's literally all I've been doing for the last week. <laughs> <laughs> well, listening to it. Yeah. What's what's the guy like, man? What's he get, uh, just such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, incredibly nice guy. And I think um, we talked to Dylan Boucher recently about him as well. There's a reason that he spent the longest time with one franchise, you know? You don't keep a guy around like that if he's hard to deal with. And it's because he's such a nice, normal guy. I remember someone saying to me, uh, in the, the rugby league world, you never get rid of good players. No. So if when you see a team buy a player, you know, well, was he that good? Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I mean, he's now got some ridiculous uh, job title with the Mavericks, where he, I, I couldn't tell you what it is that <laughs> he does. Chief Happiness Officer. Something like that, yeah, CEO of Laughter and Cheer. And he just gets a <laughs> just gets a salary paid out to him because he's that kind of guy. Um, but, yeah, just back to, back to Michael Jordan. Could you imagine, you know, going through the hardest times of your life and Michael Jeffrey Jordan walks into the room with oh. you. You know, wouldn't it just? I would. I would literally wet my pants. I, I couldn't think of anything else when I was talking to Dirk Nowitzki. I was so nervous. I was so excited. You know, it was all that was going on. Was, I was talking to Dirk Nowitzki. How cool is this? Yeah, I so, bet you were. Did you have the old uh, goosebump tingles? I was so sweaty, and I've told this story as well because I was so nervous. I was rolling the microphone between my hands, <laughs> and when he walked into the room, you, you know, when you don't know someone. Uh, so if you know someone... Oh, no, you oh, shook my hands with you, sweaty hands. No, 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 you nod up when you you know someone. Oh, g'day, mate. When you don't know someone, it's sort of a nod down. Well, I was holding my hands, palms together in front of me, and I nodded down. He looked at me, and he bowed back to me <laughs> <laughs> because he thought that it was some sort of traditional New Zealand greeting. Um. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Hey, we better get to some news Let's. and then go, we'll see if we can finally track down Matt Duffy. Stay with us on his head. Uh, former Melbourne Storm player Matt Duffy, former St Kent's College bloke, played 62 games for the Storm, scored 150 points, played for the All Blacks a couple of times too. Was a pretty handy player, full stop. Uh, joins us right now. G'day, Matt. How are you, buddy? Hey, how you going, guys? Mate, uh, nice to have you. Uh, you got a you got a meeting to get to, get to. What's the meeting about, pal? Oh, just our standard uh, meeting on this day, so it's just a football meeting. So, um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I better not be late for that because Belag will uh, rip me head off. So. Uh, are you are you in Australia? Are you guys uh, here yet or not? Nah, nah. So the boys travel over tomorrow. Um, fairly early flight. So, um, but everyone's looking forward to getting up to Christchurch. So. Um, yeah, it's pretty pretty exciting. The season's right upon us. So. Well, you, you're going that home. That's the good part. You're going home. That's where you, you. That's where you grew up, right in Christchurch. So, so, so you're in, you're in a good you're in a good space. Uh, talk to me about how this season looks and and how hard it is to accept that Ryan won't be playing for at least six weeks. Yeah, obviously that. Um, yeah, it's not not great not having to you know um, players available when you get to round one. But you know, um, perhaps is doing everything he can to get back and. Um, you know, we're as a as a club, we're, we're supporting him in best 
best way we can. But um, yeah, no, I'd, I'll back him to come back when he when he's ready. And uh, yeah, it'll be, and once once that is um, all good. The one thing about uh, Craig Bellamy, he will never let you know visibly uh, that he's nervous or anything such like, even though now you look at your lineup, it's still strong, but you don't have uh, the Bromwich boys there. You've lost Carl Fusi. How big a hole has that left or not? Oh, definitely. Like, you know, you can't, you just can't buy experience. And those blokes are experienced. They came through our system. They've been here for a long time. So um, there's definitely going to be, you know, they've definitely left a hole to a certain extent. But the the good thing about this place is that um, we, we have a pretty... Uh, full-on pre-season, so we, we get the new guys up to scratch, and um, yeah, and I'm sure they'll do a great job, and you know, and maybe it's about um, others in the team stepping up and playing better footy to um, to sort of manage that. Um, but yeah, I'm, we've had a great pre-season, and uh, really excited for the new guys coming in um, to play in those spots. Eliasa Katoa comes from the Warriors. How has he looked pre-season? Nah, Eli's been good. Um, it's obviously, yeah, the preseason here is pretty relentless, and um, and obviously moving over here to Melbourne, and um, you know, so it's been a big change for him. But you know, the good thing about Ali is a good bloke. He's been um, ripping in at training and um, getting to know all the boys, and and you know, the boys love him. He's very athletic, and um, he works really hard, which is um, a big thing for us here. And um, so yeah, he's. I'm excited about um, how he's going to go this season. Yeah, so he gets he gets first crack there this weekend, I think. When you say relentless, because you know you've experienced a, a belly ache a preseason, what does relentless truly mean? Describe relentless. Oh, I just think day to day, like you know, everyone does hard sessions and hard preseasons. Um, you know, I've been at, been at many clubs and, and they preseason's hard no matter what. But I think it's just that day to day, week to week. Um, relentless nature of and also the the standards that Craig holds Craig holds you know um there's no shortcuts and and all that sort of stuff so um that's what's probably relentless about it and it becomes a mental battle really um and yeah I mean the amount of running and the amount of sessions you actually get through is is right up there so but it's no different to any other um place but um yeah I yeah I bet you don't I bet you don't miss it I bet you don't miss it no yeah yeah, I had to jump into a few little sessions here to make up the num- the numbers. So, but it was good because I could pick and choose, didn't have to do the weights. So, <laughs> I don't miss the um, yeah, I don't miss all that stuff. So, and that, yeah, so and the contact sessions are oh, they're, they're good to stay out of. Okay, Matt, you've got two and a half minutes to get to the meeting. Uh, I'm just going to ask you one question. <laughs> what, well, I'm just keeping an eye on the clock, mate. You don't want to be upset, Billy yeah, uh, yeah. What are you no, doing? What are you doing with What are you doing with the storm now? So I'm the academy coach. Um, so yeah, we've got a new academy here. Um, We've got about we've got 12 players that um, young guys between 18 and 20 that come down and um, they did full pre-seasons and you know um, I was guiding them through the pre-season. Um, it's obviously a big change for them. A lot of them come straight out of the high school, jump straight into a full-time pre-season. Um, so you know physically, mentally, you know everything, and they all moved away from home and so um, had all those issues, but. They got through well, um, and now they've dropped back down to one day a week with us. So I'm just managing them between um, they're playing 19s, 21s, and they're coming in, to, in with us once a week, and then they're dropping back to 19s and 21s on the other night. So and they got full time, they got jobs. So um, it's a really it's a really fulfilling job because you know all these guys are starting out their journey, and um, you know, and they're all away from home. So you know, like 
I was the same when I moved down here. You, you move away from home and you, you don't have family and stuff around. So your, your teammates and um, the club become your family. So it's been cool to watch them get through that. And, um, yeah, and, and a lot of them are thriving. So it's, um, it's really, really exciting. And now, we, and as I said, we get to the good part now. It's about playing footy and um, seeing them develop and sort of integrate into those other teams where um, was, was, yeah, it's been really good. Actually, had two of them play in their trial on the weekend. Um, against the Roosters, so that was that was pretty cool, um, and they they went pretty good too. So oh, that's good, mate. Forty five seconds, mate. Meeting time. You better get going. You don't want, you don't want that that nah. stern look or the black tick on the book. I think he's he's staring out the window at me now. Oh, okay. Go. Better let you go, mate. Say <laughs> say hi from us, right, by the way. Nah, we'll do. <laughs> All right, Matt. All right. Thanks for that, man. Matt, Matt Matt Duffy, the Academy coach, a former Blues player, former All Black, had a couple of games the All Blacks, played for Harbour, played for the Honda Heat, uh, and most importantly, I think, played for the Melbourne Storm. I remember interviewing him when he was in his first year. Interestingly, he talks about him being there as a first timer. He was he was he looked like a fresh faced teenager. I remember interviewing him just outside of Amy Park. I don't know why we were over there for something. And um, he's a really good kid. And well, he's 32 now, he's not a kid anymore. Uh, but giving back, right? And isn't it funny how they all they all go back to what feels right and comfortable? And the culture that Craig Bellamy has set up there mm. is a huge as a performance culture. Yeah, and like you say, the amount of different teams he's played for, but he's found himself where? Back at the Melbourne Storm. Back at the Melbourne Storm. And it's no coincidence that, like you said, they Whoever puts that purple jersey on seems to play very well. Now, I have a memory of him winning championships with the Melbourne Storm, but for some reason, when I Google that, they don't come up. Why would that be? Why? Because they had all their titles stripped off them because of the. Oh, uh, was he in that? Was he in this? How many stri- How many titles they get stripped? Just one? It was a one title, wasn't it? It was a couple at least. Uh, I oh, don't my. think. Okay, I. You know what? How quickly we forget. About those things, and remember that great that great uh, piece of footage when they're all walking out with like in a V shaped formation to say nothing's gone wrong, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. Or was it was it the, or we, the club got found guilty about we will we will stand tall and play for no points for a whole season? Well, that's what I find. Uh, you know, that's sort of the sad thing for blokes like him. He gave us all in an effort to win the competition, which is you know what every NRL player is supposed to be doing. But then you look it up; it's not on his record. I remember talking to Ryan Hoffman about that. Yep. And to this day, they will all say we won those comps fair and square. Yeah, I mean the 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 pay packet doesn't walk out onto the field and you know put its body on the line, does it? It's the players completely who go out and do it. And so you know they were undone by an administration that let them down. Mm. Do, um, we, do we believe that? Well, I don't know. But but when you look at those teams, it's not like they were ridiculously. Uh, over strength compared to some of the other teams that they, were out there at the time as well, like the Roosters themselves. They just played a good style of footy, right? They just it was they 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 bought they gave wrestling. They they brought three man wrestles tackles into the into the game. I mean, every tackle technique that's now been banned was initiated <laughs> by the Melbourne Storm because they were looking for an edge. Mm. Constant. I mean, Kai Kara France is now working for the for the Warriors as yes. their as the wrestling coach. You know? Yeah. I wonder how many. <laughs> How many chicken wings he's teaching them to do? Yeah, I wonder how many how many players will tap out in a tackle. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Okay, stop the fight. Stop the fight. Two forty two. I'm just speaking of tackle. I don't know. We've we've been giggling off 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 radio for a long time. We're watching this thing called AEW just on that corner of our eye. AEW rampage. This sort of opposition. 
what is it, wrestling organisation. It's, it's, it's off-brand WWE is what it is. It's what? Off-brand WWE. Oh, and honestly... It's like watching a comedy, a soap opera comedy. There's some of the worst acting in the world I've ever seen. A woman walked out with a rotary phone attached to her hip. and A rotary a, phone, like the old dialing up phone. Yes, and hit a bloke with the receiver um, just before. I think what adds to the absurdity of it is that it, um, we have to watch it on mute because we're in a radio studio. It's funny, though. It reminds me of the early days of the what was the WWW. Because they could, no, they were never called. WWF. Uh, well, that's right, because it was they they had to get rid of it because that was the World Wildlife Fun. Yeah. Why did I say WWW? Don't know. I just got carried away. Yeah. That's the internet, I believe. <laughs> uh, Forty-two for one after seven point two overs. Uh, England batting first. Their run rate is sitting at five point seven three. That's pretty handy for a test. And after you know, only seven a bit overs. Undeterred by one wicket falling and another one just about falling. And the new boy Blair Tickner, who's got not a bad slug underneath his nose as well. So He, he looks like the guy off the new Top Gun movie. Oh, right. Uh, what's his name? I don't know. Actually, speaking of acting, did you hear the sad news that Raquel Welsh died uh, overnight, 82 years of age? She mm. was one of the original, what do you call it, um, glams, glams of uh, the movie world many, many years ago. I'll have to look her up. Yeah, but it was really sad though, you know. Oh, now I'm feeling my age. It's 2.44. 49 with Stephen and for Staffy. Uh, my annoying workmate has turned up. That's uh, Ricardo. Not annoying. <laughs> uh, Thanks. Uh, uh, Phoenix Nation coming your way after three. What is going on with the Phoenix, buddy? For one moment, they're looking like they could finish high up. Now they're sitting, you know, teetering on the playoff edge. Yeah, it's. it's that game against MacArthur was encapsulated. Absolutely bossed MacArthur in the first half. Probably should have had three goals. They go in at one all, um, miss two pens, which doesn't help. Uh, for me, they've thrown away from leading positions now twenty points this season. Well, I mean, you, like, you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to do that, right? So, I mean, that would put them top top with Melbourne City um, if they hadn't done all that. So, I think it's lack at times a lack of intensity. It's almost like there's a switch. Hmm. And you and you notice it particularly uh, after the half time. I, I notice that they don't seem to come out as. So, so who do you put that down to? Is that is that Ufuktale unable to get them going and going forward? Or I mean, you have to ask that question, don't yeah, you? You do, and I, I don't know if you blame the coach for that, but I do wonder whether or not what he's asking of them is beyond what they're capable of doing. They can do it for a certain amount of time, but they can't do it longer. Who have you got coming up today? I've uh, got one of the legends of the club, actually, Andrew legends. Durante. Andrew Durante. Yeah, Dura now works for Western United, who we play tomorrow night. Yeah. So I uh, got him on the show. I love how you say we. Phoenix Nation, They are your mate. team, eh? Phoenix Nation. Yeah. yeah. Tap yeah, the heart. Yeah, yeah. Tap the heart, mate. What you know how it is. <laughs> you know how it is. Oh, yeah, doggies. Doggies, my doggies. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Dura and uh, Lily Elfeld. Oh, Dura. We call him Dura, do we? We call him Dura, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah we we, we, we're Dura. tight, mate. Wow, we're you tight. are so tight with these people. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Dura, Lily Elfeld, who's the uh, the captain of the women's, uh, the Liberty A-League team, mm-hmm. uh, but she's not been able to play all this at all this season because she had a meniscus tear. She had an op. That took a while. Now she's got a back injury. Yeah. Oh. So I just caught up with her because she's had a tough season. Um, nice. And uh, also uh, Lucas Moragas, who's uh, an interesting story, he's the left back. He couldn't get a game at Newcastle, so he came here on loan to be back up to Sam Sutton, and uh, he started the last seven games at left back. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Ufuk like wants to try and keep him. Okay, quick fun fact: Did mm. you know Zoe Zadowski Senate was an ambassador for the World FIFA World Women's Cup coming up? Yes. Okay, and I did not know that she was a very good football player. Her father told us today. Phoenix Nation coming your way after three here on SENZ. Here's what happened back in the day. 
Let's go to 1972 when Wilt Chamberlain became the first player in NBA history to reach 30,000 career points. The 7-foot-1 Lakers centre reached the milestone in the 110-109 to loss to the Phoenix Suns. No other player in the NBA at point has scored over 25,000. Here he goes for 30,000. Finger roll, one-footer. No good. Tipped by Wilt, no good. But it counts. It counts. Is that some way to get your 30,000 points? Birthdays today, turning 64 today. You cannot be serious! John McEnroe. Uh, Valentino Rossi, one of my faves, uh, turns 44 today. Just Goddard Bend remains for Valentino Rossi. His seventh win here at Donington Park. Valentino Rossi looks behind him. Nobody in sight. Soaking wet. Stands up and says, thank you very much indeed. Well, he would say, I thank you very much indeed. Uh, Luke Romano turns 37 today. And Francis Saeli, the New Zealand rugby player, turns 32. On this day back in 1989, the number one movie was Driving Miss Daisy. That's something that Manar does lots of. And the number one song, as we say thank you, look forward to Phoenix Nation. Number one song this day back in 1989. Uh, this is definitely a bit of Manar. Paula Abdul and Opposites Attract. Have a great Thursday. 